This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is sponsored by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Bellman Street, Aberdeen. Located only 30 seconds walk away from the nearest bus stop, taking supporters to Pataudry for free on match days. Siberia Bar and Hotel is open seven days a week, all year round, and get fired in with our exclusive discounts. Head to the bar and quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pound of Foster's, a £4 for a pint of Moretti or Dark Fruits, or £5 for a pint of Fierce or a Daiquiri any day of the week, including match days. Come on, you Reds. Red slight of foot there. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 95 of the ABZ Football Podcast. I'm Gary Scott, and as always, I am joined by Gavin J. Baxter and Graham Steele. Gents, how's it going? Very well, thank you. Skip out the Oxbridge pleasantries, lads. Come on, we know what's about to happen. <laughs> art, arts are falling apart again. Never get tired of that. I'm very well, thank you. In a week that saw Hearts fans unveil quite possibly the most cringeworthy banner in Scottish football history outside of Union Square, that saw Motherwell and Sevco have a game of hide-and-seek with the match ball during their game on Saturday and that allegedly sees Robbie Nielsen fly off from a 3-0 gubbing at the hands of the mighty to go and sort his hair transplant in Turkey. And after a couple of hefty episodes, Gavin was complaining about the length of the last couple, not the first time that's happened. It is a slightly shorter one this week on the ABZFP, as we will take a look back at our 3-0 win over Hearts on Saturday in the SPFL Premiership. We'll check in with the young team, bringing the latest in our round of Lone Watch. And after the break, we're going to throw the show open to you, our loyal ABZFP solar system, as we bring you Listener's Corner. You know, if Robbie Nielsen just used the company credit card to get him a supply of demoxinol, he wouldn't need to get himself over to Turkey. I hope he comes back with something really fancy. And Budge isn't going to miss that, like, £1,000. That's just one less <laughs> ivory back scratcher for her. <laughs> but first, Aberdeen 3, Heart of Midlothian nil. Saturday the 18th of March 2023 at Pataudry Stadium in the SPFL Premiership, the greatest league on the planet, three changes from the side who gave Jim Goodwin's Dundee United a bloody nose last time out with Jay Horter, Ryan Duncan and Jack McKenzie dropping out. That's three changes uh, just for the boys at Red Tinted Glasses who'd, who'd missed out on that during the uh, pre-match festivities. Horter missing out through illness, allegedly, and th- those players replaced by a returning Kelrus, Liam Scales and Johnny Hayes returns to the bench as well for Jaden Richardson and Connor Barron. The visitors seeing Shankland Snodgrass and Cochrane return to the fold after their injury layoffs. The Dons lining up in a 3-5-2 with a back three of Pollock, McDonald and Scales. McCrory and Hayes as your wing-backs with Clarkson in the pivot. Shinny and Ramadani ahead of him. And up top, Boyan, Miofsky and Duke. And the Dons out of the traps quickly, taking a deserved lead after just five minutes. Fine link-up play down the left between Clarkson and Shinny. And the Dons bearded number six took his chance to cut inside Smith before his cutback was half cleared by Clark. 
the ball spinning up to Duke and from 12 yards, his volley took a nick off a Hearts player and passed a stranded Clark. A perfect start for the home side. Dons didn't let up, though, pinning the visitors back into their own half with a high, intensive pressing between Shinny Ramadani and Clarkson, with Hayes and McCrory snapping into tackles on their flanks, and the Dons grabbing the second goal that their play deserved on 21 minutes. Some neat first-touch interchanges between McCrory, Ramadani and Miofsky from a throw on the main stand side, seeing the ball rolled back into the path of Matty Pollock, and his first-time cross was outrageous for a centre-half Duke with a great run on Hill, the Cape Verdean flicking home a fine header to make it two goals to nil. Duke's 12th and 13th league goals of the season. Up to 15 now in all competitions this campaign. And with Miofsky on 17 across all competitions, that is the first time since the 1996-97 season that the Dons have two strikers with 15 or more goals. That, of course, Billy Dodds with 23 and Dean Windass with 16. And then just two minutes before the half-hour mark, it was game over as the Dons made it three. Miofsky winning a free kick. About 30 yards from goal, Clarkson's ball in from the set piece was inch perfect for an onrushing Matty Pollock who flung himself at the ball to nod home beyond Xander Clark. A first goal in red for the on-loan Watford man. It was nearly four, just three minutes later. Duke latching onto a slack pass at the back and his through ball for Ramadani was just a touch too heavy for the Albanian who was only able to shoot wide as the target narrowed. Cochrane hooked for the visitors on 34 minutes after, let's call it a torrid time for the Hearts left back Kingsley replacing him Shanklin then booked for an attempted master lock on Matty Pollock as the jam tarts were becoming increasingly rattled all over the park Johnny Hayes picking up his now customary concussion taking a Janelli cross straight into the coupon Coulson coming on to replace Hayes and Coulson nearly scored right on half time after winning the ball midfield playing the ball to Ram Madani who set McCrory off on his way Coulson meeting his cross only for his header to drift harmlessly over the bar but half time Three goals to nil to the home side after an exhilarating first half performance. Into the second half, Forrest on for Keogh in the Hearts lineup, but it was Duke again running the show, dispossessing Civic in the midfield and unleashing a drive from 30 yards that Clark had to tip over. From the following corner, Hearts launched a current attack, but unfortunately for them, it was old man Robert Snodgrass played in and he ran out of gas as he was being chased down by Angus McDonald and eventually shot well wide of goal. Pollock should have had his second on 51 minutes when he met a Clarkson corner but from point blank range, his header was straight at Xander Clark. Pollock then hitting the bar just after the hour mark. Coulson's corner from the right met by Pollock, but the bar denying him this time. Clark then having to produce a fine reflex save to deny Duke a hat-trick after Ramadani's shot was flicked towards goal by Duke, but Xander Clark getting down well pushed that one away. Watkins on from Miofsky, Duncan and Mislovic replacing Duke and Clarkson as the game whittled down the Dons comfortably taking the three points, thanks in the main to that first half performance. Up to fourth now after Hibbs' defeat at Celtic Park. Now only four points off a heart side that looked in, let's call it, bad shape. On to the data. Possession, 38% for the home side to 62% for the way. Shots 22 to 8 in favour of Aberdeen. Shots on target 6 to nil. Expected goals, 2.03 for Aberdeen to 0.52 for the visitors. Gents, we spoke about it last week in the preview about how big a game this was for our season. Before we talk about the performance in general, just how big was getting that win? It was really big three points. Just the way, I suppose the way the season's gone and everyone's kind of a bit, you know, down in the dumps, even just a few weeks ago, probably. So we're by no means out of the woods yet, but every week that goes by, we just seem to be looking a little bit better and better. And to take points off parts when you're, you know, still going to be difficult to overtake them, but it's not as laughable as it was maybe this time last week when you were seven behind. 
yeah, massive uh, results just for that very reason of you know putting us back into the very least putting us back into the mix for that third place uh, finish and the rewards that will come with that in the in the most likely event that the old firm take the um, take the Scottish Cup. So and then yeah, to go and put in such a comprehensive performance to outfight a Hearts team that you know for all the chat about their injury, what is fielded a relatively you know strong side in the end. Um, yeah, a massive, massive three points uh, keeps us on that upward curve and sets us up nicely for the remainder of the uh, the pre-split fixtures. Three wins in a row for the in the league for the first time since uh, December 2021. That was a run that had Livingston St. Mirren and an away performance at St. Johnston, as it looked as though Stephen Glass might have been turning a corner. So that in itself just shows you just how inconsistent we've been over the last season and a half certainly probably a little bit beyond that in fact when you think about the dying embers as well the Derek McInnes era at Pataudry in terms of performance that opening 45 minutes is as good a performance as I can remember from an Aberdeen side for a very 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 long time I'd probably be stretching back potentially to the early 90s here for this we did all of the things right we did all of the right things sorry very very impressed with our energy our discipline and our speed in particular in moving the ball between the lines your thoughts I'm not sure if I'd go quite so far back in the timeline as the early 90s for a good performance like that. Uh, but certainly, certainly pre the COVID season at the very least, um, I can't immediately think of anything, but um, just, yeah. I mean, all around with the ball, we showed a lot of belief, a lot of skill, um, a lot of intent and a lot of intensity. And then when we were without, without the ball, that's that's the best performance I've seen, at least since the early days of... Derek McInnes when we had, you know, the likes of Shinny and Willow Flood snapping in tackles and making the game as uncomfortable for the opposition as possible for for too long now. We've been such an easy team to play against is the sense you you get just watching the game. Um, Hearts players, you know, if they got the ball, there was an Aberdeen player on them. If they were fortunate enough or good enough to get past that player, then they've got an, another Aberdeen player coming for them straight afterwards. Um hunted in packs, made it really uncomfortable and we got our rewards because I mean, I'm, I'm kind of shocked to learn that there was that much uh, possession uh, disparity between the two teams in favour of Hearts. But when they had the ball, they did you know very, very little with it and that's because of the the intensity and the, the game plan we had in terms of making the game uncomfortable for them. It would seem to be sort of as every week goes by getting a nice blend between you know that sort of tactical... I think maybe discipline or people knowing what they're supposed to be doing is maybe more a bit better. People are comfortable with the roles that they have in the in the team and everyone sort of working as a unit rather than maybe individuals. We look a bit fitter and strong, but we can also you know we can also play a bit as well. We've got a good a good blend at the moment between. Well, I feel like you know we can we're a little bit better at mixing it. Yeah. Than we than we have been, and that's definitely been a flaw of the last few seasons where we've actually, and we've probably also had other well, decent players, but you know, the amount of games we just get bullied and we can't compete, but we seem to be starting to get rid of that. And then we do have some good players in there and that, that can make the difference when the, when the game's tight, you've got a couple of good players in there, that, whether that's to finish a move or to start a move. So it's really, uh, it's really quite satisfying at the moment. We looked at Hearts's shape, their tendencies in a lot of detail, um, as we always do on this show, in the previous segment of last week's episode. So credit has to go. I'm not suggesting for a minute that Barry Robson and Steve Agnew were tuning in, but um, 
obviously they've done their own analysis on this and come to the same conclusion. So credit has to go to the management team here for tweaking our shape, add our personnel from, from United away to A, nullify that threat that, that we were foreseeing coming down the Hearts left side. That was non-existent um, in the game, certainly in the first half. B, to target that right-hand side of Hearts. Again, I think we did that quite effectively in the first half as well. And then C, to flood and to overrun the central midfield area, in particular picking up on Snodgrass and um, not really giving him any sort of time on the ball at all to, to try and dictate play. I think there was probably a lot of eyebrows raised, in particular maybe about um, Johnny Hayes' inclusion, I think, in the team. Um, obviously, he only made it to about 40 minutes after getting smashed in the face once again. But all in all, the, I think the, the setup and the personnel was the right pick from the management team. And fair play to them. They absolutely recognised Hearts' strengths, their weaknesses, and we, and we played at them. Absolutely. And I think um, worth mentioning that I thought Johnny Hayes was having a very good game up until he had to go off. Um, I know you mentioned that it was a concussion. Has that been confirmed or is that just a... I don't know. I don't think he confirmed he had concussion, but I mean, it, it, it didn't look good. I like the, I do like the fact that we kind of took that decision obviously out of his hands straight away and you know not fucking around this time because you know Johnny Hayes he's kind of like the the knight in um, Monty Python and the Holy Grail like you know you could cut an arm off and you know, be like, yeah it's just a flesh wound let me get back on there to uh, to take that decision out of his hands and just say you know what can't take any more risks get Hayden Coulson on keep the shape you know nothing needs to change um, I thought it was a a good move from our uh, our medical department. And yeah, when it came to the midfield battle, I think you're especially right, you know, Shinny and Ramadani, especially whoever was closest to Snodgrass, the, uh, their job was clearly just as soon as he's on the ball, getting about him. You don't even necessarily need to win the ball as such, but just make it uncomfortable, you know, get him on his right foot, just not let him dictate and show his, uh, his quality. We were aided, in a sense, by the fact that his compatriot in the hearts of field, the number eight, whose name I cannot pronounce. Keo. Keo? Well, because he, I think they can't even spell his name on the back of the shirt, so they just go there's not enough space for his name. Uh, well, it could be that. I mean, we'll just go with Keo. He is one of the worst Hearts players I've ever seen in my life. Oh, that's a okay. He he was that's a bold call by God. Terrible, and I'm accounting that in a game when Alex Cochran got good after half an hour. <laughs> yes. and you can't even go ahead and say, "Listen, it was a tactical sub. It was a straight swap." Yeah. Um, I, so I didn't think that helped but um, yeah that element you say of the defensive game brilliant and you know we were getting so much joy created so many chances so yeah there was clearly a plan to make the use of our movement make use of Clayton Clarkson's ability with the ball it was just yeah an all round excellent performance and, and great planning from the from the coaching team I think you can see it as well. I've got up on the screen here just now for the three of us. We'll, we'll tweet it out. I've already actually tweeted it out earlier today. Just our average position map from the game as well. Um, yesterday, I think the most, the, so many things you could pick out of that. But the, the biggest takeaway for me is we've looked at these on a number of occasions throughout the course of the season. And it's hard to kind of tell what we've been trying to do a lot of the time. Right there in that map there, you can see exactly what we're trying to do in terms of setup, in terms of formation. And I just love how aggressive we went as well yesterday. When you look at Ross McCrory and Johnny Hayes' positions as the wingbacks, pushing high on, you look at how good our kind of back three are, in particular in terms of their discipline, in terms of their positional sense. And then the midfield three, Clarkson, Shinny, Ramadani. Again, too many times this season so far, we've seen kind of midfield players in particular almost stepping on each other's toes too much. Um, it's been hard to tell who's been doing what. Right there, you can see exactly what our setup was this time around. I know that Robson has said before he likes Clarkson in that pivot role, 
it worked to an absolute T on, on Saturday, leaving him just a little bit deeper, letting Ramadani and Shinny do a lot of the harrying. We'll come on to Clarkson's performance on, on the whole in a minute or two, but just in terms of discipline of shape and the aggressiveness with which we went about our work on Saturday, again, a lot, a lot of credit, I think, has to go to Robson and Agni for the way they set that team up and got them playing. I just especially like the fact that they can see the balance. Like, for so long, our team has been, well, for lack of a better word, unbalanced you know whether it's center midfielders playing in wide positions or you know we've got a winger on this side but we don't really have a winger on this side or you know um just not having the right personnel for almost any system we're having you know crowbar players in there um positions they're not familiar with at austin samuels for example um there you know the, the task is very clear you know ramadani and shinny that playing further advanced just you know especially against a team like Hearts who are insistent on playing out from the back early on in that first half with players that, you know, are not really suited to to playing out from the back. To, you know, just immediately put them under pressure. And, you know, we nearly got a couple of roars from that uh, in the way of a goal. Uh, unfortunately, couldn't just get the uh, get the decisive moment. And then, like you say, it, it's, it frees up Clarkson to not have to do that element. Mind you, when he had to, he was at it. Yeah, he did a lot of great defensive work yesterday, uh, Leighton Clarkson. But you know, like you say, it'll just Shinny and Ramadai's running power, and you support that with Hayes and McCrory who are playing, you know, in line with them on the pitch as well. It just gives him so much time to show the kind of quality that he's got. And you know, Leighton Clarkson's getting better and better as the season's getting going on, in my view. And uh, another player that I think we should uh, enjoy while he's here. We'll come on to Clarkson again in a minute, but Graham, just your thoughts as well, looking at that shape, the aggressiveness we were about our, our business on Saturday. Yeah, they, it's it was, yeah, it's encouraging that, you know, we're, we're at home, but by sort of taking the view, as I think we always should do, that, you know, yes, the, the opposition can hurt you, but let's set ourselves up to get after them. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really good that we were set up with that, and it's really satisfying to see that map. I mean, we've looked at some, and it's just been ridiculous <laughs> where you've had whoever's been on you know left or right like so far ahead of their opposition their opposite number uh, or other you know their sort of colleague on the other side that you just think it's obvious how teams have been cutting us open because we we don't represent we don't present any sort of defensive yeah. wall or line we're all over the shop so yeah that that looks good um i think i guess it's a slightly different team to what Goodwin had in terms of some of the loan signings and stuff like that. But it just looks like between the players we now have and the management team, they just seem to be able to, I guess, get their points across better or their their, their instructions are clearer and or simpler, whatever it may be, because it, it looks like the team knows what they're doing. And I think, you know, to, to the Clarkson point, I think it's maybe clearer to him what his role is and what his role isn't. Yeah, and then the guys in and around him, where they shouldn't shouldn't be in terms of restricting his space, for example. So he's he's got a bit of freedom to go and you know make the most of his talent. Because you're right, he even against um, Dundee United a couple of weeks ago, you know he put in a reasonable effort in terms of a shift and some tackles and stuff. But it's not really what you want to see him doing for ninety minutes. So it's encouraging that he'll do it when he realizes he has to. But you want him freed up to take someone on or pick a pass and you want you know your Shenis and Ramadanis to sort of do the dirty work so that he doesn't have to and it all just seems to be 
sort of slowly falling into place, isn't it? Guys are complementing each other rather than looking a little aimless or all trying to do the same role. One of the things, there was a, there was a chap who uh, approached Gavin and I walking up Merkland Road last night after the game. Um, I didn't catch your name, whoever it was. Hi. Um, but we were kind of talking about just, or I think I made, made the point that I actually felt that the performance yesterday um, was the kind of thing I was expecting out of a Jim Goodwin team, to be honest, in terms of fitness, aggression, um, intensity, all of those, you know, buzzwords you'd expect a good shape a good structure and we we saw none of that under Goodwin at all at Aberdeen in, in the main um which does bring me back a little bit always back to this thing I, I always thought about Goodwin which was I, I felt he was kind of coaching against his own natural instincts at Aberdeen because I think he'd sold the club that he was going to be able to do this whole kind of you know expansive brand of football and we'll be attacking and all that kind of stuff and I just think he got caught not really sure what he was actually doing. And I actually thought yesterday was a really good example of that. And I think you see that just in that 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 graphic. It's exactly what I was expecting we would have seen from him. Anyway, let's move on to individual performances. Because again, Duke will get all the headlines for his two goals. Um once again, though, I think his all-round game continues to impress in general. And I say that even with outside of the goals, I think he actually was relatively quiet. Um he did though do all of his usual pressing, hassling. On a number of occasions, though, his dribbles, for example, didn't really come off yesterday. And I read a stat, I think, earlier in the week that he's the player in the, the top flight who has lost the ball the most um, throughout the course of the season so far. So more often than not, when he goes on his dribbles, he, he tends not to actually be successful with them. But the way things are going at the moment, it's going to be hard to see how we keep a hold of Duke beyond the summer, isn't it? Uh, not that I'm comparing the two, but that's a stat that he shares with Lionel Messi. Messi loses the ball more than almost any other player in the world. So, works for him. At least as good as Messi. That's statistics that are obviously, I mean, on its own, it doesn't really work because you need to, um, you need some sort of comparison of how many times is he trying to take yeah, you need the someone context. on versus a guy that, oh, he never lost the ball. Well, yeah, we didn't try and take anyone on. So yeah. I know what you mean. I, I think like that's just, it's the nature of him at this stage of his career where he's still got room for improvement. It's, that's a scary thing with him, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's by no means at the peak of his powers, but it's the it's the frustrating side of him, but it's also to an extent one of the bits I like in, in so much as he's trying to take people on, he's trying to attack, he's trying to do things, and yeah, they're not always going to work out. But when they do, sometimes that's just the dif- the difference. You know, like the Tannadice goal was a good example of him trying to do something different. I mean, yeah, and it comes off, might not have done, but when it does, it's really exciting. It's great to watch. So I think you're just going to have to take the good and the bad. And unless you can, I don't want to coach that out of him. You, know, you don't want to be yeah. saying, right, you know, come on, you need to be, don't don't be taking people on. But on the other hand, if there is a way you could maybe improve his decision-making that when he does it, he's in a situation where it's more, more likely than not that it's going to work then you can obviously get a little bit more out of him. But yeah, I think we're just going to... He's going to frustrate it sometimes, but then certainly this season, more often than not, everyone's you know really, really enjoyed what he's been bringing to the team. So if he continues putting the ball in the back of the net, he can lose the ball all he wants. He's the only Aberdeen player in history that I will never say to, listen, Duke, it's an opposition set piece. You've just recovered the ball. All the bodies are in our penalty area. Maybe this isn't the time to start dribbling. <laughs> You're probably not going to get to the other end and score, but no way, no way. 
Um, would never torch that kind of that element of his game out of him. And you know, it's the th- he is still incredibly successful at it, and that's why that's why we love him. And what I what I really enjoyed yesterday is like I think a number of Hearts players decided they were going to be the guy to get in about him and yeah. try and like bully him off the ball. And everyone, every team does it, yeah. and not one of them can do it because he's just he's so even though he's not that big like physically in terms of size he's just he's solid and you cannot get anywhere near him you'll just bounce right off him i love when michael smith tried to go in and take him out in the yeah. first half and he's just like his head almost like went into duke's arse yeah. and he was knocked out and duke just walks off i was like that's that's priceless and uh you know like you say um two two good goals in their own way you know the first one is just about being in the right place and just not fucking around just get a shot away at goal but it's a player with confidence, isn't it? It's, it's spinning, the ball's spinning kind of awkwardly, the way it's kind of coming down, hits it on the volley, gets a bit lucky with the deflection, but when you're, when you're lucks in, you're lucks in. And sometimes like, there's merit in just, you know, shooting on sight if you're in that area. So, like, sometimes there's cases where ourselves and a number of teams will be guilty of, you know, trying to score the perfect goal. Um, you look at a number of players in their careers like that have, you know, likes of Lampard or Harry Kane, they've scored a number of their goals just because when they have a chance to shoot, they shoot and you know, might hit Rose Ed, but also might hit someone's arse and go in. And then the second goal is just all about great movement and, you know, it's a it's a perfect header. It's a great leap as well, though, because he gets the run on Hill. I mean, he must he must give, I don't know, at least a foot to Hill, probably in terms of height, probably a little bit more. And he gets up and above him really, really well. And it's a brilliant header as well. At the time, I thought it was more of a flick. When I saw the highlights back again at night, it was actually, that's actually a really well-placed header as well in there. So, lovely stuff once again. And on this current rate of scoring he'll overtake Miofsky soon in terms of top score for the season which seemed unlikely I think when you came at the winter break but or the world cup break but again this is the benefit at least for Aberdeen the season we touched on last week about how reliant hearts are with Shankland how good is it for us that we're in a position where Miofsky's not I wouldn't say he's gone off the boil but he's just there's just not chances falling from it at the moment he's it's not yeah. so he's missing guilty chances our penalties have kind of dried up in recent weeks as well that at least you've got Duke who's able to step up and, and kind of take some of that load off him, which, you know, hearts don't have that at this moment in time. <sighs> the, yeah, the, the double-edged sword there, of course, as you say, is that we know clubs are looking at him now. They have to be uh, for the data. And then when they see him, they'll see something that's, you know, he's he's unique. His talent is is very... That's not something you're going to come across every every scouting trip you do. Um, and I think with that and, you know, the attention me off he's gained... You just worry that we're going to be in a situation where we're going to have these two really, really talented attackers and then we're going to have to kind of almost like, you know, rebuild and restart all over again in the summer because I can't see, I can't see us keeping both of them. I think that's just, unfortunately, where we find ourselves as a club where, you know, we're just no longer in a position where we have the firepower that we used to have back in the day. So it's just, it's, it was also, I mean, I don't think the club's hidden behind the fact it is partly... It's part of the model. Our plan, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, well, I mean, it's not always going to work that we get one or two guys of that quality and they fit in and they start playing the way they have been. But I think we just we just need to accept that that's where we find ourselves in the, the pecking order these days. What you'd almost love to happen is for Duke just to sign like a one-year extension. Yeah. And we'll, we tie him up for another a year. And, you know, we can say, if like Miofsky goes in the summer, we can say to Duke, like, listen, you're going to be the man. You're getting better and better. Give us one more year. And then we get two years, you know, worth of value to, mm-hmm. to cash in on him. Um, I kind of fear that we might, you know, sell Miofsky, for example, and then 
Duke's value is probably not going to get any better than it will be in this summer. Mm. And that's kind of where we left. And then, you know, it's, it's it's then how you reinvest that money. But um, yeah, like I say, it's it's the nature of uh, it's the nature of the beast when you're a team like Aberdeen. It's maybe thought why you actually qualifying for Europe this season could be critical in terms of actually trying to keep a hold of some of these players as well. You know, potentially you are able to say to Miofsky and a Duke, look, hang around for one more season or even like six more months um, on the basis that you'll get to play European football now and add that kind of string to your bow that you've done that now. And that that might put you in the short window for for bigger clubs and potentially who are kind of looking at you at the mo- this moment in time as well. Because you're right, Gav, that's the big concern I have now is that I think probably Duke, it feels to me, has developed quicker than we were maybe expecting. And I don't think, while the business plan has always clearly been to bring these guys in, try and get the best out of them for a period of time, sell them for profit, I don't think we were ever expecting that we'd have the situation where both of these guys came in this season and before the end of the year, you're like, shit, we might actually you know, be in danger of losing both these two quite so soon. Anyway, in terms of the rest of the team, the back three, I think, looked solid in the main. Again, they, they weren't overly threatened, I don't think it's fair to say. Angus McDonald probably with... A slighter, a slightly quieter game, but as the central player in the back three, probably to be expected because there was little for the defensive unit really to do. Liam Scales, he did well when he came on at Tanadice. Um, Graham, you and I remarked about that at the time that he really, he was probably the only defender on the park at the time who dealt with Fletcher quite well. Yep. And yesterday, I thought we saw the player that we thought we had at the start of the season from Liam Scales. Definitely his best performance um, since pre the sending off at Hibs. Because the the first sending off at Hibs way yeah. gets bulldog headlocked uh, by Ryan Porteous, um, and for a player like Scales, who you know is on loan from Celtic and has come in for his share of uh, scrutiny from the Aberdeen support, to say the very very least, it would be easy for him to just almost kind of chuck it and say, you know what, I've got six more months and then I'm back to Celtic and we'll see what happens here because it's not working out here. Um, he's done the opposite he's come he's had a little little spell on the bench and come back in with um some real purpose and you know almost like he's got a point to prove that yeah. it wasn't all him and uh, that was the reason why we we're conceding so many goals um in in so many games and you know he came in you know hearts it's going to be competitive and they're going to be come at you and he stood up to it and he showed a lot of defensiveness that i think maybe some of us suspected he might not actually have and you know, I think you've made mention of it in the in the uh, in the script here, in the format that uh, we have on the show. Uh, when he celebrates that that tackle on the main stand side, which is just you know, it's not even a particularly big tackle. It's just you know, no. winning a tackle on the byline, deep deep at the end of the game as well. Like it really meant in the grand scheme of things, nothing. Great stuff, and also and also showing the kind of pace and the awareness to get in about Shankland, uh, make that chance that he has difficult, mm-hmm. he gets the block away. And if Shankland scores at that time, I think it's about 20 minutes left to go, maybe the game changes a little bit. So um, a, a very, very good performance. That's the Liam Scales I want to see. That's the Liam Scales I'd be more than happy with the club to sign if the opportunity arose in the summer. Matty Pollock, I feel like every week we say this, but probably again, his best performance so far in red. Um Seeming to improve, like I say, every week, week on week. Great for him to get his first goal. He is a real threat at both ends of the park, isn't he? And then his interview after the game makes it really, really hard not to root for this kid. I have to remind myself, just you cannot fall in love with lone players because all they do is they come, they steal your heart, and then they break your heart when they leave. But I, I love Matty Pollock. <laughs> I honestly do. He's, he's so good. He's 
such like a such a, he's such a presence, and you know that he, I love that he's becoming almost like meme worthy with his heading. Yeah, but you know, if Armageddon, if the movie Armageddon happened in in real life, we know we no issue to send Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck and the rest of the drillers up to to uh, drill into that asteroid. You just said Matty Pollock to go and head it away. Um, and then once you get like a lone player from from Watford, I think he'd been at, been at Grimsby before that. Yeah. Um, I think he was at Leeds when he first started, I think. Actually. I could yep. be wrong on that. So has no like affiliation, no connection with Scottish football. For all we know, in December, he thought Scottish football was a farmer's league that was you know way beneath him. But he's come up here and he's just really got into it. And his reaction when he when he scores the goal and there's the big team celebration, but then he turns to the red shed and gives it a proper come on. You know, it's, this is a kid that gets it within six games of being here. He's uh, He's been a massive asset and he gives us, combined with McDonald, Scales, getting McCrory in the team, gives us real presence, gives us like a real threat from set pieces now, which is obviously, you know, you can only have a threat if the delivery is correct. Yeah. And on Saturday, from whether it was Hayden Coulson, Johnny Hayes or... Lane Clarkson, our deliveries were on point. And I just love the fact that he scored a proper diving header. Yeah. I mean, he was diving for it for about 20 minutes before the ball got to him. It was great. Love him. Great. Matty Pollock. Yeah. I, I'm just really enjoying him while we have him. I'm struggling to see that we will be able to do something for next season. Although, you never know, it would be early. He's got quite a long term deal. Got a five year deal at Watford. At yeah. Watford. So he might see well, I've got plenty of time and they might see it as, you know, this is going well, you've got plenty of time, why not? But Off you go. Yeah. yeah, so far, really, really enjoying. And I think it's just, I don't know if this, you know, because you don't, you can't compare exactly because, like, you know, Stuart didn't get a, a chance because Robson had loaned him out. So you don't know. So I guess where I'm going is, would Robson have, would Stuart have improved under you know, sort of the guidance of Robson and Agnew where it just looks like people know what is expected of them. Maybe he would, maybe he wouldn't. But, yeah. Um, Spoiler, he wouldn't. Well, maybe not. But, um, you know, it's quite impressive that he's come in. It just looks like he's been here for ages in terms of, you know, the way he's, he's fitted into to the team, the league, the style, whatever you want to call it. Uh, so, yeah, really, really enjoying him. And I'd be quite happy if uh, when the season kicks off next season, we're talking about him being, you know, one of your one of your central defenders. Um, what I just love as well because I know Evans are te- uh, focusing on his his heading ability, but like in the second half, especially, like he's got real um, like knowledge as a defender of how to like defend a number of situations. Like Alan Forrest came on at, yeah. at halftime, tried to square him up, tried to go past him. Forrest is probably like, you know in a foot race quicker than Mike Pollock, but Pollock's just all about just get his body close to Forrest. If you want to get around me, good luck. You have to get away from me first. Um, he's just he's he's just a really really good defender. Like he's he's surprised me how good he is. And the interview that he did afterwards, um, you know, it could be the easiest thing for your agent or someone to say to you like these are the points you need to hit. But it seemed very authentic that he's he's loving his life in, in Aberdeen right now, and that's just going to buy you even more points. Absolutely earned his trip to Keith last night. It's fair to say. Um, Ross McCrory, uh, a fine performance as well from McCrory yesterday after being a bit shaky at Tanadice. Thought he performed well, dominated the right-hand flank for us, an area that we'd highlighted as being a risk area for for us last time out. 
Yeah, he was certainly due a good performance. Tanner Dice was not cool. But again, <laughs> well, in general, he's been... I don't think he's having a vintage season. He's maybe been a victim of almost playing a different role every week. And he's not the only one in this team that's had a poor season. But it's good to see him back. I think we all know that's the sort of level that he's obviously capable of. And in general, that's the level we would expect because he's normally fairly consistent. So I'm still not totally convinced that that's where you want him because you've got a really expensive right back sitting on your bench. But if he's going to be playing every week and he's going to deliver that, then so be it. That would be, you know, it's just solid. And again, it goes back to, you know, just that sort of energy and drive that we've got kind of all over the team, actually. So it goes back to that. We can mix it better than we used to be able to. But he's still a pretty good footballer. Yeah. As well. So it's not like he's just up and down the line. But then Camp, you know, one of these guys where he's, he's great off the ball because he's got all the energy, but you don't want him going near the ball because he can't do anything with it. You're happy if he's got right back the on the books. He's good with that. Well, do you know what I mean? But yeah, it's like if McCrory, even if McCrory and the ball comes to him in a tight situation, I'd back his control and his decision making to, to get himself out of that without total panic station. So yeah, it's good. And, um, you know, again, it's just another. Hopefully, just another sign of people settling into better defined positions and clearer expectations. Yeah, uh, completely agree. I like to say I wouldn't have foreseen at the beginning of the season that right back, right wing back would be where I'd want McCrory to be playing. But he's done. I think by and large he's done well there. And if that's where we, you know, view his long term future, I just hope that he gets a run somewhere in the team. And if right back's what it's going to be, I think he brings a lot to that role. Well, I think the main thing as well, we touched on it yesterday or, or, or earlier on, sorry. I mean, with McCrory, McDonald, Scales and Pollock now in the team, you've got a much more physical threat in terms of just build generally. But they've all got pretty decent running power, all of them as well. But when you combine that with the likes of Shinny and Ramadani as well and their running power, like yesterday's the first time I've seen in a long time. And even Clarkson to, to an extent yesterday, it's the first time in a while I've seen us really like just run over a team. Like just... Not in an out-muscle, out... We weren't overly physical yesterday, but we just bullied Hearts all over the place. And it was really refreshing to watch because how many times have we seen a Hearts team come to Pataudry or at Tynecastle in particular in recent seasons do that to us, just run over us, run over the top of us all game. And it was just... It was great to watch that yesterday. And I think that is one of the positives about having McCrory in the team somewhere and at right wing back in a position like that yesterday. I think it, it, it certainly points to maybe potentially that being somewhere that Ross McCrory can maybe finally settle into as being a, a role that he can make his own going forward. The, the midfield three, wow, what, a, what a performance from the three of them yesterday. Synergy. I think, again, for me, it feels like the most complete midfield three, midfield performance I've seen from Aberdeen for a very, very long time. Ramadani, I know that everyone will laugh about it because I fucking love the guy, but I thought yesterday was probably up there with his best performances in a red shirt as well. Full of energy, snapped into tackles, linked play, Maybe just guilty a little bit of holding on the ball just that little bit too long. I still think he could just release the ball just a touch earlier. Didn't give Snodgrass a moment's peace all game. And also extra kudos as well. He was the first one on the scene to give the boy Hill some stick after his, let's call it, wild challenge on Duke in the second half. Fucking hell. How, how that wasn't even a foul? I don't know. I don't know. In a world where you've got terms like excessive force, endangering an opponent, not even worthy of a look according to the uh, the VAR officials. Unreal. But I, I did like that. I also, that was the same happened with um, when Shankland put Matty Pollock in the old Cobra clutch. Yeah. It was, you know, there was 
how often have we seen in recent times players get like wiped out and no one does anything? There does seem to be that real togetherness within the team. And we keep hearing that it's a really good close dressing room. But until, you know, Hearts had never seen any real evidence of it on the pitch. You saw it at Paradise. You saw it at Paradise, I think. I would agree with that. But I know, I take your point, Gavin. To, you know, it's, it's always what you, unless things are like falling apart at a football club, you you always hear, oh, it's a good bunch of guys, et cetera, et cetera. But that, that was, that did look like a whole bunch of people really pulling together. In and... terms though, like, of like sticking up for one another when, you yeah, know. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. No, that, that's fair. When things are, you know, when the opposition are getting clearly, as hearts were, extremely frustrated and, like, you know, these rash tackles, let's call it, I'm going to be generous to call it rash, or, you know, Shanklin, you know, throws Pollock to the ground. I've not seen that for a number of uh, number of years now, actually. So, and I think that, you know, ultimately will come down to, you know, some of the characters that are in the dressing room, like a Graham Shinney, but I also think it comes down to what Barry Robson's done. I think there's definitely a part in that. We'll come back to Robson in a minute or two. Graham Shinney, Oh, wait a minute. Gavin's not had to Gavin's not had the opportunity to praise Zilber Ramadani here, so I need to open the door for him to do it. He's he's shied that, he's skirted around it. Did you see how he did that? Um uh crap finish in the first half. Yeah, it wasn't a great finish. Ball through from Duke was pure though. Should have pulled it back from Miowski. He should have done. Yeah, absolutely should have done. Selfish, hey. selfish, selfish. <laughs> Five out of ten. <laughs> Graham Shinney. An atypical Graham Shinney performance, I think it's fair to say. Um Everywhere on the park, a key role in the opening goal. Sign him up now. Well, the good news for that is that it's going to shit at Wigan. Indeed. In terms of the old finances. And this might shock people, so you might need to be sitting down for this. But Sean Maloney has not turned it around since he went in as manager. Case surprise. Um, I loved Graham Shinney first time around. I loved him when he came back when it was announced, and I still love him now. Um, even... Like you say, his 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 energy, his desire to just cover every blade of grass, the ability that he has with the ball to in, in situations like you know to get past his man for the first goal and play it across, and you know we get the goal from there. But even like the ninety third, ninety second, ninety third minute, he's still chasing lost causes and rating chances like as he does at the uh, the Richard Donald end when he snaps to a tackle and Watkins gets the ball and we nearly score from there. Paddy Mislovich, if uh, Ryan Duncan hadn't been in the way. Um, yeah. I just think he leads by example, and he's another one who just, he knows what it is to be an Aberdeen player. He knows what the fans want. And he's he's a, he's a player that you must love to be playing with, and he's a player that the fans will gravitate towards. Massive asset, if we can, yeah, ev- every day of the week. Game Shinny, Aberdeen player. I've just realised I said atypical, like an absolute idiot. Um when I was reading the notes, because that, of course, would not be the case. So apologies to anyone out there who's trying to correct my English right now. It was atypical, as in atypical Graham Shinney performance, not, not an atypical performance. Anyway, there we go. Let's move on. Um, Clarkson, Leighton Clarkson, in the pivot, deeper lying, brilliant in that opening 45 minutes. And we saw a physical edge to Clarkson that I think we've all been maybe a bit worried about and a bit dubious about the fact he didn't have that to his game. We saw plenty of that yesterday. A brilliant performance from Leighton Clarkson, I thought. I think it's already been said when you were running through the match. Um, a good, a very good player who I think is now finding his feet or we're finding a role for him that allows him to demonstrate a bit more of what he can actually do. Whereas I think before he was maybe, maybe wasn't clear or people were in his 
space or because the team is garbage and getting overrun, he spent most of his time running back the way and trying to help out the team rather than maybe focus on the attacking side. So, yeah, really good and just enjoy it while it lasts. Another one, though, I wonder if that might be something we can do a deal with to get back again next season. I suspect, I suspect not. He'll end up on loan or sold to a team in England because that's what pretty much always happens to these guys. That or I, I could see him going on the continent. I think he'd excel in like countries like Spain or France or something like that, for example. Yeah, or Italy. I think he'd do a good job in the Italian league, to be honest. But it's kind of funny now you think about it because like, I would say before this game with Hearts, Leighton Clarkson's best performance in an Avenue shirt was his debut against St Mirren where he played in this role. And then we've kind of shuffled him around and because the systems we've not been able to play in there. Yeah. I love the fact that Barry Robson has identified that this is his strengths. It's not, you know, chasing the ball. Like I say, he's grown into it um, immensely in a way that I didn't expect him to. And he's grown into Scottish football in a way that, you know, I necessarily didn't expect. But again, it comes down to the manager playing to everyone's individual strengths mm-hmm. and creating a balance. Because like, think of like last season when we had midfielders with like Scott Brown and Lewis Ferguson McCrory and they're all kind of roughly wanting to do the same kind of job we're now creating that balance where the players complement one each other rather than you know almost getting in each other's way and through that we've you know found a, a role for Clarkson where he shows that he's you know technically one of the better players in the league um but yeah like Graham says I think we'll uh, enjoy him while he's here another quiet afternoon for Boyan he only touched the ball 15 times through the entire game but Ran his socks off, I thought. Pressed the Hearts back line. When the ball did come into him, I thought he held it and linked it well enough. Um, one of those games, it must be frustrating for him that he's playing well and, and doing everything he's being asked to do, but he never had a sniff at goal yesterday, did he? No, if he, if he did, then we score a good couple more goals than, than we did. Some of the chances that fell to, um, you know, um, Pollock, for example, or... Um, even Mislovich's one. Mislovich's one. You know, there was opportunities to just score. Like you say, it just didn't fall for, for Bowen on the day, but what he did was a lot of very unselfish work uh, with his running off the ball and taking defenders away into into space to allow, you know, whether it was Duke or the old midfield runners to, to get into space. I thought it was a very... For what you would look at there and say that's a pretty ineffective performance purely probably based on the data alone of what he's done with the ball um i thought it was very very a very good shift actually from boyan miofsky and on another day he'll get some of those chances like the duke chances might fall to him um when we get a penalty from all the possession that we had in their kind of penalty area um and the good thing is there we've got that partnership where if miofsky is not getting those chances then it's probably going to fall to duke and one way or another we're going to get a couple of goals yeah i'd like to I'd like to see him scoring again sooner rather than later. That would be good. But I think he's, I think he does work quite hard for the team. And also, you know, having a player of that quality, if a, if a chance does present itself, feel reasonably comfortable that he's got half a chance of putting it away. You know, he has not become a bad player. He's not, he's probably not really doing anything different. And he's maybe working a little bit harder than he had been as as I think probably everyone is but I don't know you know sometimes it's just the way football goes isn't it chances that were being created kind of dry up and other types are being created and they maybe suit yeah. a Duke better but I think he just needs to keep plugging away he's still a good player 
still really like having him in the team. And it's just really crazy that we're talking about him. <laughs> the guy with the number of goals he scored. And now actually he's playing second fiddle, whereas probably a few months ago, whether we even possibly in January, we were wondering, will he still even be here at this point? Because, you know, there's all this sort of the paper talk. So it'd be good to see him um, get on the the score sheet soon. But I still think he's putting in a decent shift for the the team. So still worth him starting every week. I would agree as well. I think his link-up play was better. He does show a little bit of savvy to to draw the foul that ultimately yeah. leads to Matty Pollock's, uh, Matty Pollock's goal. Yeah, yeah, and he's he's involved as well in the, the one touch movement for the uh, for Duke's second goal as well on the touchline. I think as well, just his his sheer harrying, chasing down everything that's vastly improved as well. I think it's fair to say since Barry Robson's come in, so it's clearly something he's been charging his front men to be doing as well, which is all good. Um, as a long term listener to the show, point out to me earlier today, hi Johnny Main, how's it going? A semi competent Aberdeen side wipes the floor with his Hearts team, doesn't it? Said it last week that. If I'm creating a joint 11 of the two teams, there's more Aberdeen players in it than there are Hearts players. And I stand by that 100%. Uh, we were we were good. Like, we were really good against Hearts. But that's three wins in a row at Pataudry against Hearts teams that have been, quote-unquote, you know, far superior to us. So, um, yeah, the difference is clearly not substantial. Anyway, look at it. Um, it seems that home advantage is the key, really, because... Yeah. We've seen what they've done to us at Tynecastle and what we've done to them at Pataudry. Um, yeah, we're we're in the mix now. We are absolutely in the mix. Barry Robson. Um, the fans in the Red Shed were chatting his name yesterday. Um, oh, that dandy Barry Robson. <laughs> he came in from Inverurie. He came in to play less shit football. He came in to save the AFC. And we've got Pollock at the back. Miofsky in attack. Robson's got us playing lots of back. Jeff's music corner, not Gavin's music corner. I know, I know. Um, Just nice to be able to sing that song like authentically. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel that Gav is, is is inching his way closer and closer to the Barry Robson in position. You can you can you can comment on that one in a second, Gav. Um, lots of rumor and innuendo last week around the club. Um, Certainly a lot of chatter that there was something going on at Pataudry on Thursday. Um, all eyes, obviously, on the, the ground on Saturday in terms of uh, uh, whether anyone might be in the stands or not. And for a brief moment, we all got a little bit excited today because there was a, a strange-looking gentleman sitting between Rob Wicks and Willie Garner, who turns out just to be the former assistant pro at West Hill Golf Course. Um, not Rude Brood, <laughs> not Ricardo Rodriguez. But... Has Barry Robson now put himself seriously in contention for the job? I mean, it, for all we know, the decision's already been made uh, made last week. So, so the, the the result of the weekend was just a a farewell from that perspective for Barry Robson. Or does it has it given the football monitoring board um, something extra to chew over this weekend? Now, I am. Um, I mean, going back to the the chat, the rumor, and the innuendo from Thursday about something was about to happen. I'm quite glad it didn't because I think that it would have served as almost an unnecessary distraction to the game on Saturday. Like all the preps been done by that point, I would like to think um, anything that could have taken her off the game. Because that it was, it was too big a game for there yeah. to be anything that could have potentially be detrimental to it from the um, 
an off-field perspective. Well, that's why players... I certainly think nothing has been announced. Yeah. Um, as we are Sunday night, we're still in the same place as we were. Uh, my my feeling is almost that there is nothing to be discussed here. I think there's a lot of... My, my gut is that yeah, there's just been a lot of speculation built around nothing. And that's hence why for about an hour today, our Twitter following were looking at a picture of a grey-haired man trying to work out whether this is Ricardo Rodriguez or not. Um, my concern with all with what's happening is that we're like we're almost like we're chasing a unicorn as far as like this ideal candidate, and may, and I just I've got this feeling that we're gonna lose a really good coach out of it, and the answer is like under our nose, like we're like we're like uh we're like on a, a quiz show and we've won a prize and we're quite happy with the prize, but then the host is saying to us, or you can have what's behind the mystery door. And it could just turn out to be complete shit. It's Neil Lennon. Quite possibly. Who <laughs> who 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 knows? I once he's collected his uh once he's filed his tax returns, tax returns in Cyprus and is ready to come back to work. Um yeah. I'm just like the reasoning that I've heard for not going with Robson seems to be it doesn't really stand up to scrutiny for me because it seems to be basically that, well, he's not got the experience. And last time we hired an experienced guy, it went to shit. I don't think that because Stephen Glass was a failure, we should instantly dismiss Barry Robson, who's had more relevant experience in the first team setup at Aberdeen, coached under 18s at the top flight of Scottish football. As a player, I think you know he gave me the impression that he would go on to become a good manager, and he has galvanised the team in a way that Glass couldn't do when he came in, Jim Goodwin couldn't do when he came in, Derek McInnes couldn't do by the time that he needed to go. Any appointment we make is going to be a massive gamble, no matter what we do, regardless of what, regardless of what anyone's history or track record is going to be. I Every just, managerial appointment is a gamble at the end of the day. Absolutely. I just think that we are going to, in the process of just outright dismissing by Robson, we're going to lose him. And then I, I worry that we might just, you know, six months could copy the new manager who, whether it's a Norwegian guy or, you know, a Spanish lad, it's just not going to work out and we're going to be back here again in about six months time saying, I think Barry Robson might have been the answer actually all the, all the whole time. And I also think in a way that it's going to create like a rod for the new manager's backs. If he like comes in and it doesn't, doesn't immediately click, it could be like almost like the new dead at McInnes. Like, oh, see, I told you we should have given it to Barry Robson, who at this well, point has, has probably left. That's going to be the challenge now, isn't it? For, for what happens. I just think six games, four victories, I can't think of the last time we had four wins out of five. And, you know, the other, the defeat was Celtic away. So that's just how, that's how it plays out. He's done a great job. The players are playing for him. The fans are on side. Everything's there for me. I don't see why we don't, at the very, very least, give him till the end of the season. Graham, I'll come to you in a second, but would you, yeah, but the problem I guess now is though, you can't say to him, it's yours to the end of the season now, because you kind of have to stick a twist now in the sense of preparing for next season as well now, because we'll be looking at players at this moment in time um, and considering players to sign for our club at this moment in time. We have probably been talking to people for a while. Stephen Gunn's got all that taken care of. Uh, right. Okay. So you kind of have to know who's in the hot seat for next season sooner rather than later. Now, I think we've done our, we've taken our time and rightly so. Alan Burrows has been in the, the hot seat now for three weeks. So, There'll been a lot of work done before Burroughs started um, that needs to be formalized. I don't think we can do a situation where 
it's yours to end the season, Barry, and then we'll see how we go. Because I think you, I think we need to be planning for next season already now, and we need to be in a position where we can say to players who are potentially out of contract at this moment in time, or who we're talking to, you know, ahead of um, hopefully trying to make a bid for people, you need to be able to tell them who's going to be in the hot seat next season, don't you? You've, you've got to be, we've got to kind of stick our twist in this sooner rather than later. Get, and I'll come to you in a second, Graham, about Robson, just generally, but Gab, would giving Barry Robson the job, though, be conditional for you on him having somebody like Steve Agnew alongside him? Preferably, yes. And I know where you're probably going to go with that, that Agnew probably won't stick around. No, I'm just I'm just asking, but that's I guess that's where the dilemma is now coming from, isn't it, from a club's perspective? If they can't get an Agnew type to come in, does Robson seem like a bigger gamble at that point? Um, if it's not Steve Agnew, I think Robson's got connections within the game to go about recruiting someone like that within his coaching staff. I certainly wouldn't want anyone that's, you know, a Jim Goodwin type where it's very much the Barry Robson show and nothing else. Um, yeah, if he had experience alongside him and, you know, I mean, maybe the Steve Agnew conversation is different if it's Barry Robson. Came in to do, do him a favor. You never know. But I, I would certainly like experience and a, a bigger coaching staff than we've had in the last couple of years. Graham, is Barry Robson the man now? No. It's only I thought, six games. And I, thought I, made a pretty, I thought I made a pretty impassioned argument there. You did, but, but I, like I, thought that would, I thought that would have swayed him a little bit. No, I just don't. Look, at what is... Uh, is it much improved? Yes. In terms of the performance, the, the work ethic, everything. Everything, every sort of possible marker is better. But it's six games, and I don't see how all of a sudden now that's the, the answer. We've been here before making snap decisions. I just don't think it is. And I'm also not even, this may or may not be how a lot of people feel, but season tickets are up for renewal. Your DNA membership's up for renewal. Is is Robson really an exciting appointment if you're on the fence? That, oh, well, surprise, surprise, they've they've picked the reserve coach. I know that wasn't his title, but that's kind of how yeah, it yeah. feels. Every club, you know, plenty of clubs do that. So I'm not sure, I'm not so sure, um, I'm, I'm enjoying what's happening so far, but I don't see how that's possibly anywhere near a big enough sample size. I think it's too risky. To I know no managerial appointment is a guarantee of success because it's clearly not that easy. However, I cannot believe or accept that there's no one out there that we could attract that doesn't have some sort of record that would stand up to a bit of scrutiny. And around the Agnew point, you know, if, if you want Robson, you've got to have Agnew because that that team is working. It'd be lunacy to say, oh, we've decided it's all down to Robson, so we'll keep him and get rid of everyone else. It's all or nothing. So I don't think you can split them personally yeah. because it's that, you boys like your wrestling nonsense, it's that tag team that's working. Yes. Well Come on, Graham, we'll get you in. Yes. Yes, it's starting. So I like Robson. I like what he has been saying. I like the way he's been going about it. I've enjoyed what he's been putting out in the pitch but I'm just struggling to accept that all of a sudden after six games he's the best thing since life's bed and he's the answer that is one for the aficionados of the sport of kings which tag team in history are by <laughs> Robson and Steve Agnew I'm thinking uh, dem- I'm thinking demolition I've got to feel here if by Robson grew a mullet the BFTR the only one I can remember is the Legion of Doom Crazy I don't see Barry Robson putting face paint on though do you no probably not no but no they're not FTR because that would imply that Steve Agnew's an arsehole. He might be, for all we know. Um, I, I, this is, I think, where we come from. I mean, from a couple of people I spoke to last week, I think this is possibly one of the things that is 
potentially weighing against Robson in the discussion at Pataudry is the fact that I don't think Agnew's going to be here beyond the summer. Um, and so I think there's definitely a case to be made that I'm not saying Robson's not good at what he's doing. I think the part that Agnew's playing in this is perhaps not being given the credit it deserves, I think. It's always difficult to know. It's hard to know who's doing what. What the, what the other guy's doing yeah. and how it all gels. Because ultimately, Brian Robson is the manager. You and I had a really good view of the two of them. At, um, and people who sit in the main stand could, might, might differ from their view on this. But we had a really good view of the two of them at um, Tanadice last week. And I think I made the point on, on Twitter today about that Robson was doing a lot of the very old school managerial stuff in terms of kicking every ball balling and screaming and he was certainly the main communication point with the pitch right but whenever they dropped to the side and had a conversation it seemed really clear to me that it was Agony who was picking up the kind of tactical minutiae and the tactical detail and feeding it to Robson and that was then what was being passed on the pitch and I'm not trying to say Agony's the brains of the operation I'm not saying he's Mick Beale of the Stephen Gerrard thing, right? By the way, see, every time Mick Beale appears on radio, I can't take him seriously. I really can't. I can't take anyone who voluntarily goes by the name Mick seriously. True, true. Um, Are you suggesting that Steve Agnes is the guy then on the sidelines who was saying to like Duke, like, what to do, what to do, what to do? <laughs> hey, Duke, <laughs> run past two men and then back you into the goal. Okay, Skip. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think exactly I, what's happening I, I told him to do that. <laughs> I think the point you're making, which I feel like backs up mine, is that it's the pair of them. Yeah. It's that dynamic that is working and it's difficult to... No one can no one can know what would happen if you break that up by giving Robson the job in his own right if Agnew's not going to be around long term. Another reason why, and this is not the reason why he shouldn't get the job, I don't think he'll get the job, is the, the club know him, know Robson... So if he was going to get the job, he'd have it by now, is my opinion. I don't think they would need to basically put him on audition. No, I think he would be like, we know what he Did you know about him? You would trust his coaching, et cetera, et cetera. I think he would have had the job by now if the club really thought. Because if they really thought he was the man, he'd have been he'd have been in the job earlier because they'd have been Goodwin earlier, is my take. To be the man, you've, you've got to beat the man. It's that thing as well. I think that... I think that, you know, Cormac and others have made such a play about we're going to go through a serious process and we need to get it right this time. And it's, you know, I think part of that maybe plays against them a little bit from this perspective as well, in the sense of if you've spent this long now looking for the new man to just default to the guy who's been in the door the whole time, does it look like you failed in, in attracting other targets? Does it look as though you've not been able to get the guys you really wanted over the line? Perception plays a big thing with these things. I think we are trying to go pretty bold with our appointment this time. And whether that works out or doesn't work out for us remains to be seen. But I think I think we're trying to be bolder than just taking Robson. Final point about Robson, just in case, just on this. I think, we're, I think I probably already know the answer to this. But if there was to be a scenario where he could be retained as part of a future first team coaching setup whether that's as a number two or as a as, as a head uh, as a coach within the first team setup under a new manager should that happen um i've seen a lot of people of the opinion that new managers bring their own staff and that's the way it should be um i would say that celtic is the example that celtic is the is the point that proved that disproves that uh, with Postacoglu going in and working with the existing coaching staff. Um, if it was possible, then yeah, absolutely. If Robson's not going to get the job, uh, I would love to see him uh, 
be retained as part of the first team staff. But I believe that if he doesn't get the job, he will look elsewhere for it. Jinky would walk though. I mean, Jinky would just if he doesn't get the job, he could walk. Or Jinky'd take a first team coaching staff gig with a view to try to find something. I mean, if it happened like tomorrow on Monday, then I would yeah. say he'll probably stay until the end of the season. But I would imagine he'd be then looking in the summer for you know his first real managerial gig. I guess as well, it's the key point. If we are, I think all signs seem to point that if we're going to bring a new man in that's not Barry Robson, that it might be somebody who's not from these shores. Let's put it that way. And if that is the case, a new manager coming into the Scottish game for the first time could probably do with somebody like a Barry Robson type on his coaching staff, it's fair to say, who knows the league, knows the setup, knows what it's all about. And and maybe, and again, it's just you know a bit of speculation out there, but... Robson bringing that kind of blood and thunder and that guts and everything to things might not be a bad thing as well to have in your in your coaching setup. It's, it takes all different sorts of people to make a team, doesn't it, at the end of the day? It also depends on how well you're able to understand the Inverary accent. True. If you're from if you're from such if you're from like, you know, Mediterranean terrains or uh uh maybe Norwegian wouldn't be so bad because they all speak English perfectly, but uh if it was to be, you know, Ricardo Rodriguez, for example, how he would uh, feel about having by Robson. I don't know. It, or that, or that, Marty. Or Marty. That then depends all on uh, how much control we're willing to afford the new manager as far as their setup. But um, I think that Glass suffered massively from not having relevant coaching experience in Scottish football. Um, Jim Goodwin, in a lot of ways, likewise, even though Lee Sharps spent his entire career in Scotland. Oh, he's been putting not, cones out for years not, in, on Scottish not teams. A, uh, not a coach, and I'm, I'm not sure why Craig Sampson has quite such the level of influence he appears to have. Um, anyway, nevertheless. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would love Bad Opson to be retained. I, like, like I say, I'm just I'm very much of the view that if he is not kept as manager, that, then he will, he will leave Aberdeen. Right. Suddenly, after Saturday, it's all to play for again, isn't it? Hearts look shite. Hearts were terrible on Saturday. Yeah, I think the Hearts performance is maybe like contributing factor into how Rob Borthwick must have like forgotten his Twitter login details on Saturday because I didn't see uh, any chat out of Rob. Um, no comments on his 0-4 prediction ahead of the game that was overturned by the mighty Aberdeen. Um, and you know what? The, the thing about it was it's one thing them being terrible on the day, but the fan reaction yeah. at the end to Nielsen... And the players that Beautiful. is a club that is in anything but harmony. And you know, if that carries on a little bit more, then you know, Tynecastle's a Tynecastle's not the kind of ground you want to be a home team where the, the fans are unhappy because you're gonna know about it very quickly. All we can do is it's it's just it's such a shame now that it's an international break. Yeah. Momentum is broken again, because that was a great performance. You just want to play. St. Johnston next, isn't it? Yeah. You just want to play St. Johnston like almost tomorrow. Yeah. All we can hope is that, you know, our players that are going away international duty come back injury free. No one picks up anything in training. And, um, you know, we just, we keep doing what we're doing, keep putting the pressure on them. And I think they'll crack if we do that. Graham, who'd have thunk it after the 6 0 Easter Road? I know, I know. It is crazy. I think the own, yeah, definitely right back in the mix. I think the real, so the the test will be down there because you know hearts don't travel particularly well against a team that's even though we've not had a very good season has generally been pretty pretty solid at home so 
to an extent that maybe played out the way you would think it would because it was home versus away form basically. So, but yeah, and I didn't think at this point we'd be four points behind them and with, with a the real head of steam. Yeah, yeah, and and at times looking tidy as, as well. You know, we're going about, we're, we're getting the results because it looks like we're capable of beating teams, if you know what I mean, rather than yeah. everyone else has been making a mess of it and we've scrambled the odd three points here and there. We look competent and we look like we know what we're we're doing, which gives me a lot of confidence going into the remaining games of the season. So yeah, it's um and our run into the splits all right. Hearts at home was probably the well, I say what should we say this now and we'll wait and see what happens. But theoretically that was one of your trickier fixtures because theoretically away to Ross County home to Sevco. So realistically, the way we're playing at the moment, that should should could be at least nine points. And I'd love to see us playing the way we're playing against Sevco at Pathology. Um And I think there'd be all to play for at that point. Because I think as well, Sevco's title hopes could probably be gone by that point as well. So what have they really got to play for going into that one? So it's all there. It's all there. It's what, 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 are, what are you saying, Gary? Are you saying it might be a good time to play Rangers? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, right. let's timestamp that. I've had uh, I've had a few beers. So anyway, so anyway. <laughs> Even without a few beers, that's the kind of shite you're renowned for. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I was just going to wrap up and say, who would have thought that actually the season might be salvageable? Absolutely. Top Dom. So the solar system went as follows in this one. Um, I assume Gav must have created this poll because I don't see Ramadani. I got overruled on, on the way up the roads, you know. By your big um, brother. That's yeah, tragic. I know, I know. Well, you've got to give them one every now and again, haven't you? <laughs> Leighton, Clarkson, Leighton Clarkson has been done an absolute dirty here, by the way, by the solar system. Fourth spot, 12.9%. Matty Pollock, 13.6%. Graham Shinney, who picked up the match day sponsors man of the match, he got 27%. But once again, it's the main man, Duke, 46.6% in the vote. Um, your thoughts, gents? Who would your top don? I'm not going to say that this is an illustration of the point that democracy doesn't work, but um, I'm Can't not trust people, Gavin. prepared to quite go with this. Um, I thought fourth choice, fourth place, Leighton Clarkson was absolutely immense. His best performance in a red shirt, um, in a lot of ways, defined the Aberdeen performance. You know, tenacity off the ball, class on the ball, great performance. Leighton Clarkson's my top dog. Graeme Steele. I am gonna go with the people. It's not ah, he always goes to the people. Man, Man of, of the people. people. Yeah, that's it. I, I know I don't know all the other stuff, Salt but of the ultimately <laughs> ultimately goals are more exciting than anything else. So scoring goals is what I want people to be doing. So uh, it's difficult to not enjoy that. I'm gonna go with Gavin this one. Um Leighton Clarkson. Thought it was phenomenal. I cannot believe I cannot believe he's only come fourth in that. 12.9% shocker. It was hard actually to get a four, to be fair, yesterday. You could have, with the exception of probably Angus McDonald and Wojciechowski and Kel Roos, you could have put any of, of the other players into that, into that setup, I think. So, um, yeah, there we go. Leighton Clarkson uh, for me. F- final note in the in the event that Mr. Nadine Hansen listens to this podcast, I want to let him know that we were chanting Duke at the end of the game, not Roos. Yeah, bless him. He, he did think it was for him. So let's let's let him have that moment. 
it was like that bit it was like the episode of simpsons when lisa becomes a vegetarian and they go to the petting zoo and they're looking at all the lambs and they're like ah uh, ah uh, ah uh. then the older one goes in the front and like out of the way you <laughs> other news from cormac park potato stadium this week well apart from the, the rumor and innuendo uh, the big news this week was... And Gary's notoriously itchy trigger finger. <laughs> Love a trigger uh, finger. Yeah, if you're... We've said this before. If you argue with someone, it's Gary. And if you see this stupid, like, eye emojis getting tweeted, yeah. it's Gary. If pure speculation is on the on the go, it's Gary. Yes. But there's no we in tweeting, by the way, Gary. I'm just going <laughs> to point that out. Yeah, any it's references just... to being in the know, it's Gary. Basically, <laughs> if the Twitter feed is a mess... Then <laughs> Gary has had access to it if and is enjoying himself. If it's if it's Meltzer esque journalism, <laughs> I'm well, not giving well, Ramadani. What... I'm not giving Ramadani twelve stars yet. This well, I, what I love about that is you can just say, "Well, that's what we that, that was the plan at the time." <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's fine. Anyway, the big news um, this week was the announcement that Rob Wicks is leaving the club at the end of the season to take on the managing director's role at P&J Live. Now, I know that we've not been shy at taking the mickey out of the whole single sign-on malarkey, and there was good reason for that, it's fair to say, because if there was one thing that the club did not, the fan base did not need to be battered over the head with when we were in the process of being humped on a regular occasion was the fact that I only now needed one email address and password to sign into all my platforms. It was it was this, but never mind. Um in fairness to Rob, it does look as though this might be actually a little bit of a blow to the club going forward, Rob Wicks moving on. It's been mentioned in the past by, you know, Harmack, um, even in that uh, interview he gave after the Hibs game when Goodwin was effectively sacked, that it's not a um, a comfort, but, you know, the reality is that the commercial side of the club is running very, very well, um, almost in complete, um, <laughs> in a complete opposite <laughs> fashion to what's... Uh, been going on in the pitch in the last uh, couple of years um so in that sense you know it seems like Rob Wicks has been a very um a key member of the Aberdeen setup and yeah like I say it it feels like a bit of a blow but um as with all you know as well as players you know um the board of directors the management they have opportunities to move on as well and we'll just have to see what um Alan Burrows and Dave Cormack uh come up with next yeah I think it's uh it that side of the Football club does seem to be in pretty good health. It's also, you know, it's another, it's another bit of, sort of turmoil. Mm. If you like within the the boardroom, you just got good knowledge and experience of the club. You know, you you find when maybe someone leaves a role, it's not necessarily how good or bad they were at the job. It's just if they've been there, they got that sort of company experience that you can't yeah. you can't replace. So, you know, whilst you know, hope it works out for him. The timing's not great when you've got your new CEO coming in. You're trying to recruit a manager. I guess there's probably a better work around what sort of budget are we going to have, which I assume he would, you know, have a bit of a, a say in terms of what he thinks he can get from sponsorships, et cetera, et cetera. So from that point of view, it's not really required anymore sort of change at the top, but I guess these things happen don't they uh, and it, I feel like you know it does it does feel like that side of the club's been left in reasonable shape so someone coming in shouldn't yeah. be firefighting from day one they're hopefully picking up something that works uh I, you know I think with the shirt sponsors is this the first season this is first season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so you know so hopefully some of your bigger deals 
have a few years left to run. So you don't have someone new coming in. Yeah, yeah. And then the panic stations of trying to uh, negotiate something like that. So yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But um, that does feel like a bit of a loss, maybe. Yeah, and I think on a on a personal level, you know, Graham, you and I, we've we've met Rob face to face. Um, very personable. Um, very good people person. I think it's probably fair to say. Um, you know, from my perspective, um, you know, we 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 met him that 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 afternoon. Um, a couple of weeks later, I was at back at Potodry. Um, it was my son's first game. You know, and 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 my son was with us at the time we first met him as well. And um, you know, Rob took us the first time we met them. Obviously, Rob took us down to to pitch side. We we watched the players training and stuff because we're playing at Pataudry, they were training Potodry ahead of uh, I think it was the St Mirren home game. I think it was. Yeah. Um, you know, Rob went out his way to, to make that happen for us, and then you know, um, the the next game, which was my son's first game, was the Livingston game. Um, we ended up with silly um kind of corporate tickets. I don't really understand how that happened, but it did. But Rob remembered like my son's name and everything, and was like chatting away to him and just really personal. And you know, he didn't need to have remembered any of that type of stuff, and that'd be weeks ahead of that. You know what I mean? Like so, yeah, that no, for me it was just like good yeah. people person. You know, um, and and. You know, he helped us out with a couple of raffle prizes and stuff as well. Um, in the past that we raffled off earlier in the season for things. So, you know, a top a, a good guy from that perspective. And I do think it will be a bit of a loss. So I do feel that the commercial department Patrol has really stepped up a level, just in terms of not just the stuff Rob's been doing it, but the guys working underneath Rob as well in the kind of hospitality scene and everything's been been really good recently. So um yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Well, yeah, because it's it's people, you know, it's like that those couple of little things that that makes it feel like, you know, sort of a club or a Know, like a family club, community club, you know, you feel a bit more valued than it's just a. We've got your money. That's that's great. Yes. You know, this is this is season more... ticket holder number one three seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe that is just the way he is. It's, you know, I can't imagine it's necessarily some sort of big scheme to make people feel like that. It's probably just the way he is. But little things like that make you feel a little bit more valued, rather than like Gavin says. Yes, you just get. You get scanned, you get a number, and depending on what your DNA membership level is, you get put down one door or, or another. <laughs> one door takes you back out the stadium. You have to pay to get back in, and one gets you to your seat. So um, you need people like that who are you know, sort yeah. of interested in the, the fan base. Indeed. I don't know if as managing director at Tekka, he has like any booking influence, but if he could get some athletes and bands, Dabbering, that would be good as well. Excellent. Yes, absolutely. Um, and maybe get on the blower to Tony Khan if there's going to be a. AWUK show, make it a tech up. <laughs> on to Lone Watch. Con McLennan at St Johnston came off the bench on 40 minutes. So there was somebody else getting hooked in the opening half around the Premiership. Yes, it wasn't just Alex Cochran. <laughs> As St Johnston came back from a goal down to snatch a draw at Rugby Park. Have you seen some of the decisions at Rugby Park that the VAR decided to not give? I've just seen that clip. I thought it was the NBA. And then I realised, hang on, wait a minute. That's actual <laughs> uh, Scottish football. It's Andy Considine as well. <laughs> I can only imagine Andy was like reaching for someone's shirt, but where he was going with his hand, I don't quite as I know. And uh, the thing about it is like the sports scene highlighted it. Like the referee is looking directly at it. Completely, you know, un unblocked view of what happens. I mean, like I say, for, for however many first class officials that are involved in not even referring to that, it's yeah, astounding. You'd be very kind calling the officials in Scotland first class. That is, that is their technical name. I know, but I think there needs to be an exception made. Anyway, never mind. Um, Kieran Nguyenia at Wraith Rovers came off the bench at halftime as Wraith routed Cove Rangers by six goals to one in the championship at Starks Park. 
manager in the history of Scottish football ever been like, well, in I guess in British football, ever been sacked twice in one season? Uh, it's bound to have happened somewhere, isn't it? But Bust. I would imagine so. But I mean, I, if it hasn't, Paul Hartley's doing a really good job of making it happen this year. <laughs> he really is. Um, I wonder if he said that the defence would be quick to sort out. <laughs> <laughs> Oof, unbelievable. Jack Milne, another 90 minutes under his belt as Kelty were beaten 2 1 at home by Montrose in League One. The good thing is for Jack this week, he's not on any viral video clips. So, presumably a better week this week than last. Uh, no, well, game El- <laughs> no game for banned. Yeah, no game for Elgin City. <laughs> the Mark McGee policy. <laughs> no game for Elgin City this week is, as their match with Stenhouse Muir was postponed, which means no action for Aaron Reid and Evan Towler. Kevin Hanratty uh, for Martin United started on the bench as they beat Wick by six goals to nil in the Highland League. It's fair to say that my appeal to Highland League web users, Twitter admins of last week has gone on deaf ears. Um, who do we need to talk to about this? Graham Giles. <clears throat> Graham Giles will be able to sort this out. Graham, if you're listening, get it sorted, mate. Um, I don't know if Kevin Hanratty came off the bench. No idea. No clue. Anyway, Anthony Stewart still injured. MK Dons with a 1-0 win over Accrington Stanley in League 1 down south. Dean Campbell still at the matchday squad. Stevenage with a 0-0 draw at Carlisle. Stevenage now up to second though in the table in League 2. Yes, Gavin? Uh, it just hit me the other day that, um, totally unrelated to this, but Dylan McGeeck uh, plays for Forest Green Rovers. Yes, he's captain. So he, is, so he is now managed by Duncan Ferguson. Duncan Ferguson made him captain at Forest Green Rovers. Which is, I mean, I'm shocked. Like, Dylan McGeeck does not seem like a Duncan Ferguson type player. Maybe Duncan Ferguson has mellowed. Duncan Ferguson's gone to a vegan football club, Graham, uh, Gavin. Like, Duncan Ferguson's clearly had to put all of his morals and, <laughs> like, <laughs> lifestyle choices to one side but to get a match. Choices you make when the bills are mounting up and you need a job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, let's not, yeah. Let's not read into it too much. Do you think when he's, like, tucking into his vegan breakfast, he thinks to himself, yeah, I should have gone with Carlo to Real Madrid? Quite possibly. Could you imagine Duncan Ferguson... At Real Madrid, uh, I can now. Amazing. Um, I imagine like Eden Hazard would just like not be alive anymore. A <laughs> <laughs> uh, where were we? Vinny Pajawin, obviously not at Excelsior, still out injured, back in Aberdeen rehabbing and topping up on his sticky toffee pudding. You say rehabbing? It looks like he was enjoying the best of Aberdeen hospitality on Saturday. It, it did. True. True. Absolutely. And then Dante Povara at the Charleston Battery. A 54th minute substitute for the battery as they played at a 1-1 draw with Sacramento Republic in the USL Championship. And who scored for the for the Republic? Would it be our favourite Geordie? It wasn't Matty Longstaff. <laughs> Ex-Dons alumni, Jack Gurr. Who'd have thunk in the USL Championship this week you'd have had a proper clash of the titans from a Don's perspective right there? What a standard of play. On to the young team. The table-topping under-18s hosting Hibs on Friday night. Two changes from interim head coach Shirt Duff, which saw Blair McKenzie and Finlay Marshall dropping out through injury and suspension, with Mercer and Stewart coming back into the side. And it was the visitors, though, who took the lead on two minutes. McIntyre smashing cross past Oyemi before the hosts had to deal with the early departure of leading scorer Alfie Bavage with an injury on 26 minutes as he was replaced by Cammy Wilson. Wilson, though, going close to grabbing an equaliser with a superb chip clipping the bar. The Dons appear to have strong claims for a penalty as well, just poor half-time. Liam Harvey appearing to have been bundled off the ball by Owen Hastie, but the referee 
waving play on after halftime it was the Dons who started the brightest Lobin hitting the post with a fine half volley before Hamilton dragged a shot into the side netting the game then turning on its head with the visitors being awarded a penalty after Ulemi was penalised for a foul in the box Laidlaw scored the penalty before the same man boy man child made it three on 75 minutes and then Molotinokov completing the scoring for Hibs a 4-0 win in the end, that flattered the away side. No game this week for the women's team. They've got a trip to Glasgow Women host split in SWPL1 next Sunday. And I think, gents, that'll do us for now. Yep. Join us after the break and we'll take a look at your questions and thoughts in Listener's Corner. This episode of the ABC Football Podcast is brought to you by Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Siberia is back and better than ever in 2023 with a revamped food menu and even better they're offering free area hires between january and march head on down and get rid of those january blues by enjoying a night out with your friends on Belmont street booking area or even a table for siberia's 2023 burn supper via their website at siberia-aberdeen.co.uk Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Now, before we move on to Listener's Corner, uh, we just want to give a shout out to those of you who've made your contributions to the ABZ FP Beer and Coffee Fund this week, including Mutton Man 1983. Mutton Man 1983. We see you. Your bread's appreciated. We acknowledge you. And if you'd like to help keep us fueled in beers or coffees, please head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast. The link is in the description by the beer or coffee. It is absolutely much appreciated. So, Moving on, no game next week due to the international break, so we thought we'd open things up to you, our faithful listeners, here on the ABZFP in our newly christened listeners corner. Um, so there's two options here, so I'm going to give it to Gav and give it to Graham to decide what we want to do, because I earlier on today I put out a more generalised question, if anyone would like this to touch upon, which was kind of more Dawn's related. And then later, Gav put out... The, so last week, when we did something like this, a few people wanted us to do stuff about ourselves. And um, so it was a dangerous road to go down, but Gaff threw a, a message about this earlier on. So there was an opportunity for people to ask us questions about us. So, gents, do you want to do, first of all, general shit or stuff about us? What do you want to do? General shit. General shit first? General shit works for me. General shit, right. Let me bring this up. Such good shit. Right, two seconds. Let me have a look at this. Let's see where we're at today. Some of the stuff that was more personal, I think we can't possibly do. Right now, I think it might be a little bit too much for us to try and do it, um, but we can try. But, okay. Opening the floor to the solar system. Um, Callum, who's at Callum041903, asked us to do a preview of the Scotland games. I ain't doing that. What do you think we are? Uh, um, who are we even playing? Spain and Cyprus. Um, they'll be extremely difficult, and they'll be even more difficult if we play Xander Clark and go. Yes. Absolutely. Um, I welcome our new, newly English goalkeeper. Although Chris Lives asked you, just what do you think about our new goalkeeper? <laughs> <laughs> As of course, one of the Gun Brothers, Gavin's got no idea. Graham's just disgusted by this. Love it. That's a good one. Andrew Harper at ARH110583. Playing out from the back, 
with short goal kicks. We've been them under Robson and improved. Hearts used them on Saturday and put themselves under pressure. Are these a fashion item because managers think they're Pep Guardiola? Yes. I think there's something to that. I think, as I've said, a lot of modern coaches, you know, taking their, their coaching courses and see all the, the benefits that come from playing out from the back when you've got players to do it. And so then they'll implement it. And like I say, they'll throw their hands up when Anthony Stewart can't do it and wonder what's going wrong. Um, you need the players to do it. You can't just coach anyone to play it from the back. And if you don't have it, then take away the risk. Indeed. Um, Paul Darcy at Darcy Brig O'Don. Jinky lives in Bridge O'Don. It's an interesting theory. It is. Don't know where I got that from. Anyway, Rob Wicks leaving the club, in his opinion, hard to replace our thoughts. We've already covered that. But second up, Tatty and Bean Pie. Bean Pie of Month. A horrendous choice. Bring back the Stovies. I certainly had no temptation to try it. I did see that they'd announced that and I thought, oh, I'm obviously really tired or something because that looks like it says tighties and beans. And then <laughs> read again. So, oh, no, it does say that, right? Okay, my money's staying in my pocket. A horrendous choice. It just, uh, why is it when you look at other clubs, you know, when they do like specialty pie of the week and you're like, sounds pretty good. You know, like a wee steak and black pepper sauce number. I saw that Livingston had like salt and pepper chicken. Well, one other great power on this is you look at the other clubs' deals and you're like, oh, I could probably afford that. yep um robin at robinoff cybernat uh why is it that david robertson gets it tight from the dawn support by the likes of gavin ray doesn't obviously topical because gavin ray was our guest last week is it because he didn't leave the dawns to play for them it's been well publicized now that the club were trying to cash in on davy so it seems a bit irregular to me your thoughts gents well i think that's in the case of gavin ray certainly because gavin ray played for Rangers before he came to Aberdeen and you know, there wasn't any kind of Aberdeen yeah. to Rangers element to it. Um, that's, I think the fact that we were at a point of challenging Rangers and losing a player like David Robertson was a big blow because he was such a good left back and then going to Rangers was obviously a very, very sore point for people to take. Um, you know, we've had Davy on the show. He's put his point across as to why he made the move and why he thought it wasn't gonna be a big deal um but you know it's it it hurts but then you you would then look at that why does he get it so harsh but then theo schnelders doesn't so then i think there's the abreen element of him being a local lad and then making a decision to go to rangers it's like it's the thing that we wouldn't as a fan you wouldn't dare do but as a professional footballer you know that's that's the difference the choices we can say we'd never sign for rangers because we would never have the choice to sign for rangers David Robson did. Well, oh, no, because they're because they're because they're dead, Gavin. Obviously, that's a whole other. Episode. If we move past Gary's flippancy, yes, it, you'll never be in that situation. So it's easy to take a hardline approach of oh, I would never do that because you're never no one's ever going to be in a position to test your metal. So, but it's an interesting one actually. Why he in particular? But I think Gavin's probably right. The fact that he is local and also the time when we were competitive, you know, that's a real kick in the nuts. We just lost oh, yeah. the league at Ibrox. And then he made the move. You know, Stephen Wright and Theo Schnellers went there directly just, you know, a matter of years afterwards and neither of them got it as tight. But then you only need to look recently, you know, Ryan Jack and Scott Wright have had it just as tight on a deservedly, on a deserved basis. So I think it's more around the fact you don't, for the Gavin Ray one, it's because he doesn't go direct, obviously. That's the main reason. So I think that's that's for that one. Johnny Main asking if we're going to get Rob Borthwick back on to the review. Uh, Rob did not answer our calls. (laughs) 
No, his his text messages have been unanswered today. Cam McWilliam, Cam will come back again later on on something else, which is more personal. But Matty Pollock's post-game interview, clearly the boy absolutely loves playing with the club and adores the place. Not seen much, uh, not seen too many shouts uh, on whether to step up efforts to sign him on a permanent deal. Would he be worth it? He would be, but I mean, like I say, he's got a five-year deal. He does. A, a top-level championship club that have been in the Premier League for a number of years the last uh last decade um you'd be talking seven figures to get him in um, yeah. and i don't think that's realistic can you believe that right uh, watford paid cash money for ryan porteous and gave us matty pollock for free that is i mean well yes i can because they're a bit of a bas- basket case Watford. true but and also correlation not causation hips have improved dramatically since ryan porteous <laughs> left that's all i want to say for that like <laughs> not saying they're related but but you are <laughs> Um, the Dawn at the Dawn 1903 interested to hear the top three positions that you think we need to recruit for in the summer manager oh that's um, that is an interesting one actually because if you look at the squad you're going to be left with quite a bit of work to do given the number of loan signings in there do we think is he talking about purely the playing side or is he talking within <laughs> the entire football operation I assume the playing side uh, I think he means playing side but Gavin take it as you wish I mean, uh, if I was to take it as I wish, then I'd be saying, uh, I think in the past, I maybe advocated for a reshuffle in the old DOF position. So uh, that's that's still not off the table. First time um, hearing of this. Within the <laughs> within the team, though, um, Joe Lewis to director of football, <laughs> Stephen Gunn as subkeeper. <laughs> within the team, um, centre-back, for sure. Because uh, we don't have any, well, right now we don't actually have a centre-back for next year, apart from... Tony Stewart when he makes his triumphant return from from MK Dons and Ross McCrory and right back Your man slash, Jack slash center midfielder slash viral sensation Jack Milne. Um, <laughs> then it, that you know you know that's how somebody will introduce him when they sign him. And then it depends on how we um, who we'd lose because you know if we lose Miofsky and Duke as we maybe think we will then obviously striker and uh, you know I think we still need. Again, this this depends on who the new manager is and who what way he wants to play, what system he wants to set up. Because I could easily say a creative winger. If we get a guy who wants to come in and play three five two, then we need to bomb out a whole lot of wingers. Um, so in order to then uh, centre midfielder, like a, a creative centre midfielder, in the likely event Leighton Clarkson's not coming around. Graham, if you take the view that the players under contract will still be here, then definitely defence. Or central defence, probably in particular, because you've got recruiting can do a, a job and you're probably covered on the, the left as well. So, definitely in there. I think definitely, probably agree with you, midfield, probably more. I'd probably say more on the defensive side to replace Shinny. I'm being really optimistic here that Barron will be fit, can come in. I'm not saying he's exactly the same as Clarkson, but I was quite enjoying watching him when he first got into the team and he looked like he could. You know, he can do the dirtier side of the game, but he was quite creative and could find a pass. So I'm hoping he could come in, do a job, which is why I'm thinking maybe more the defensive side. And then I think you need, you do need some better quality on the wings, don't you? Because I don't think Kennedy's that great. He's it's kind of past it for that that level. Uh, you know, the that sort of side of the game. I think just with his his age, and then you know, um, basically. I don't think any of our wingers that we've signed actually get anywhere near the bench now. Roberts is always injured and Jermaine Morris doesn't even get anywhere near the boy we signed from Blackburn on loan 
appreciation from loan, but not getting a look in. So I think you definitely need to do some work there. I would love nothing more than next season for us to be in a position where we're not having to say Ross McCrory could do a job there. Yeah, yeah that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Um, for me, I think it, it's a bit chicken and egg this one because we don't know where we are in terms of players who will be still here, what the situation with some of the loan players will be. Um, we don't know even who the manager will be, so what sort of system we'll want to play, so therefore what positions need to address. But on the face of it, we will need another goalkeeper because Jay Horta will be away and Joe Lewis will leave the club in the summer. So we need uh, at least a, a competent backup to Kel Roos, but somebody who can actually come in and provide him with real competition would be good. I think we'll certainly need cover in the centre-half areas because between McDonald, Pollock and Scales at the moment, none of them are under contract till for next season, so we're going to need cover in there. And I hate to say it, but we're going to need uh, an attacking option of some sort because I think Miofsky and or Duke will be away, so we're going to need to replace players in those areas. So they'll be my top three. going to be a big old summer. Well, yeah, because just thinking for the attacking piece, you, you've got Bavage performing really, really well at his level. I would argue the step up's too great to suddenly say, right, okay, you're now in the first team and given his form, that might not be an option that's available to us because he might be off as well. So like the one where you might look and say, well, we might just need to chuck him in and see what happens. He might not even be around long enough for us to try that. Yeah. Uh, Ali Cinnamon, at Ali Cinnamon 76. Leighton Clarkson, the talent was always obvious, but earlier in the season, he was regularly drifting anonymously out of games. Now he appears to be the second coming of Simi. Seriously, <laughs> what the fuck happened there? So... I think we probably touched on Leighton Clarkson earlier in the game, uh, earlier, earlier in the episode. Um, what's changed? I think I actually think the Barry Robson influence has probably helped a little bit here. I think he's probably been told he has to put himself about it a little bit more. I think that, and as we've said, just identifying a role that works for him. And while Leighton's you know, been told, obviously, to get involved in the physical side a bit more, it's not what he has to do uh, for the lion's share of a number of games. Because uh, Ramadan and Shinny will, will do that for him. And then we can just... You know, enjoy the class Leighton Clarkson has on the ball. Uh, the Dandies at Dandy Dons 83 is asking about the supposed new stadium. When will it get built? What should the location capacity be? Uh, we could do an entire episode on that. So, at an undisclosed time in an undisclosed location, but um, as humans sit- will have built a base on Mars and we'll still <laughs> be talking about maybe getting a new stadium. So, n- not anytime soon is the answer. <laughs> Uh, Stephen Wallace at Wally 10 eh, sorry 168 the prospect of potential numbers coming and going in the summer could be as high as 25 plus in his opinion I think that seems a little bit high realistically though who do we want to keep in the likelihood of them wanting to stay again I feel this is probably an episode for the end of the season where you do the whole squad but I mean I'll just put my put my feelings out there um, Angus McDonald I would keep on the basis of what I've seen I like him a lot Shinny I would keep um those, I mean, those are the two kind of like you know, Paul feel like the most deal with Watford as well. Yeah, they're the two that I feel are the most likely that we can keep out of the current um, players that are on yeah. short-term contracts. Um, I'd need to review exactly who's out of contract at the end of the season to fully commit to that. Weirdly, I don't think we have many players out of contract at the end of the season. Kennedy will be done. It's not so much the ones out of contract; it's the fact that all your it's the bigger problems. The nucleus are all loans, or I was going to say, the, yeah, yes, exactly. That's yeah. the that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. And then the guys that you're stuck with and are will be returning. Uh, you don't really want them back because there's a reason why they're not getting anywhere near the team. Oh, so. I've, I've seen enough of Liam Scales uh, in recent times. I, 
if we could make a deal work, I, I would commit to that. So. Okay. Graham Hurd at Carlos1983-1. Do we need nine points from nine in the next three games to be serious contenders for third place? Um, I would tend to I say yes. So. Yes. I think um, it's obviously going to be very difficult games, very intense games after the split. So as many points on the board against the um, as much disrespect intended as possible, lesser teams in the league will go some way to giving us a fighting, a fighting chance. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, I tend to agree. Even with Hearts falling apart, I think that uh, nine out of nine would put us in a really good position. I think to be going at the split, fifty points is a good base, and then you know you'll yeah. see what you can do in the split. But like, I yeah, say, we need to be focusing on what we can do and not sort of take the view that our Hearts will fall apart, whatever it may be. So I think if you got nine, you'd be in, I think be if you can't do anything with that post split, you'd be pretty unlucky. And the next three are all eminently winnable. Um, yeah, yeah. St. Johnson have got, I think, one of the worst home records in the league. Uh, then you're home to Kilmarnock, who Kilmarnock are still not very good. Horrendous on the road. They've got the worst away record in the league. And then you're up to Ross County. Um, so you'd like to think you can do... Although Ross County are a bit of an enigma, aren't they? Sometimes they look as though they're brilliant and then the next week they're absolutely horrendous. And our record in Dingwall's not brilliant, but... Um, they're, they're not a charismatic enigma, though. What's that, sorry? They're not a charismatic enigma. No. Humble. Modest, modest to the top. Yeah, thank you. Um, uh, I, I think, and then after that, you've got six games left and three of them against the old firm. And let's be honest, we've not played well or performed well against them um, for a number of years now. And theoretically, we'd be due, we'd be due to travel to Tynecastle as well. Yeah, so you've got to take our honking away form into account here. So uh, the thing, see if we won our, see if we won the next two away games, we'd probably suddenly now have like one of the better away records in the league. It's just a reflection of how fairly shite our league is, actually. No, not shite. Amazing. Competitive. Uh, that's what I think of <laughs> when I think of Scottish football. <laughs> the competition. <laughs> um, Matt Campbell, at Mr. Campbell. Your biggest transfer regret, a player you've been heavily linked with it for some reason or another never came off. Oh, um, hard to say. We're kind of a club that like tend to keep this like stuff in-house. Yeah, usually, yeah. Um, I was pretty gutted when we kind of missed out on Miller for the first couple of times. On Lee Miller, the first couple of yeah. times. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I, I wouldn't say gutted, but I thought Joe Shaughnessy when it was the chat was he was going to come back from St Johnston. Mm. I thought it would have been a real asset. Um, compared to some of the clubs that we've had at the back since uh since then, but uh, yeah, no one no one stands out uh, to me. Not sure. I can really think of one either, but I've thought, ah, that's just a real missed opportunity. Or oh, there's then actually gone on to prove that something. it was a missed opportunity. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a bit like I've, I would have been, yeah, Lee Miller probably is one where I think everyone was pretty sure it was going to happen. I would have been happy for it to happen, but didn't. But, oh, that's a bit annoying. Yeah, it might have a bit more time for that, actually. It's quite good. Yeah, let's circle question. back on that one at a That's later a date, question. I think. Bobby's Soggy Biscuit at Bobby Biscuit. Um, is Craig Sampson playing football manager on his fancy iPad on a stand during the games? Um, you'd have to ask Craig Sampson that. I say Candy Crush. Do people still play Candy Crush? <laughs> yeah, he totally is <laughs> Angry Birds, is that still a thing? Yeah, lovely. Um, Kevin Smith at Kevin SM four seven three hundred five nine five nine six beetroot in a sandwich, I or nay? Nay. Uh, beetroot in anything? No. 
I'd do like a wee bit of beetroot, but not a sandwich, not happening. Um, Don't give anyone at whatever it is, Baxter Story Ideas, that'll be pie of the month. No, <laughs> fucking no. Pie of the month. Beetroot. They're a new release sandwich of the month. Yeah, yeah. beetroot sandwich. Beetroot, tatty and beans. Mm. <laughs> give us 40 quid. Um, end of season rebuilds. <laughs> okay, Chief Findog at Chief underscore Findog. This is verging into the personal stuff, but there we go. Who's one player that you love but everyone else didn't? That that you love that everyone else didn't. Yeah. Um love is a very strong word. Okay. Like but I thought and I'm not even sure, I I thought uh going into the end of last season, I thought David Bates had a future at Aberdeen. Oh, if, we'd, if we'd oh. simpl- if we'd simplified his role and you know Yeah, we simplified his role, all right. Not being at Aberdeen. As in not playing. Um I, I'm not I'm I'm convinced that we're not as honking if they would basically play right side of centre back instead of Anthony Stewart this season. So uh Gavin, we wouldn't be as honking if we just played with ten men. Ah, that's a, that's that that's harsh. That's harsh. Is it uh, Graham's that harsh? David Bates that harsh. David Bates looked uh, very accomplished when us alongside uh Andy Constantine at the end of the last season, and he is a better player than Anthony Stewart. So the word accomplished was doing a lot of heavy lifting there, Gav. Never mind. Haters, Graham. haters gonna hate. Graham, a player you loved or tolerated, but everyone else didn't. Well, there's that, that, that there's a disparity between those, between <laughs> those two terms. I don't know, actually. Because a lot of the ones that I've had to take a negative view on were purely just because you liked them. I didn't necessarily feel that way. I just had to uh-huh. annoy you. Um, don't know if there's been... Or even just between the three of us, if there's somewhere where I've been adamant, this guy's ace, where do you keep him? And you guys have... I did I did feel like I had to defend Kenny McLean for quite a long time. Not us, you didn't. Yeah, but, not, I would, but I wasn't alone with that. There was a number of people that didn't like Kenny when he first came in that first, like... Oh, yeah, that, that first six months, there was a lot of people who didn't get Kenny McLean. Also, but first, I don't think Kenny McLean performed that well. I don't think well he was then, playing particularly well when he, he first arrived. He didn't, but I think you could see... You could like, see what he, yeah. why he wasn't performing. Yeah, maybe yeah, um, but I wouldn't say I was like a, a sole voice against uh, against the no. wave. No, um, yeah, no one, no one stands out to me. Yeah, what about Jamie McQuilkin? I mean, you you love that guy. <laughs> I did not love that guy. <laughs> um, I was going to say Darren Mackey. I like Darren Mackey more than people because there's a few things or goals he scored that gave me like my first trip to Europe. Mm. For example, was him getting a goal that took us through against these two Atachi. And there's yep. been another couple of bits and pieces where it's Mackie that scored a goal, which has led to us getting somewhere. And it was the first time that I got a trip or something. So for that, he's probably the one because I know he's not particularly popular. And obviously when you take his record into, record into consideration, there's a case to be built that he might not have been the best striker. But I, I always quite liked Darren Mackie. I was going to point out, David Bates just scored a winner in a semi-final in a Belgian Cup match taking his team through to the final. And Anthony Stewart is at MK Dons injured and they're winning because of that. John Stewart scored a cup, a, a winning goal in a cup semi-final. I, well, hang on, hang on. I'm just going to do a little bit of reconnaissance here. David Bates did not score his winning goal past Derek Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Stewart doesn't count is what you're saying. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> um, my, my one's going to be easy. Because... Mean, with your left peg, I'd, I'd back you against Derek Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Lee Miller. I knew that was what you were going to ask. I knew that was what you were going to say. It's obvious. I think 
I'm I'm actually genuinely pleased to see that Miller Pierce at least have had some sort of like rose tinted renaissance amongst the Aberdeen support who realised actually he was actually quite a good player. At the time, I thought at the time I thought he was really unfairly pilloried a lot of the time at Aberdeen. I thought he was a very very good footballer and a, and a good guy. Gives a lot of time on the pod. And but at that point, you didn't think he was a good guy because you didn't know him. You just wished you knew him. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, definitely. Anyway. Yeah, what, what, what you didn't see or hear in that interview was when Gary asked him if he wanted to go for a pint and he said, no, no, me neither. <laughs> yeah, that does sound about right. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Kyle at Kyle Smith 12. Predictions on who will finish third through sixth, taking into consideration our current form, the potential of Hibs Hibsing it, and that hearts are falling apart. Brackets, again, close bracket. After not only taking a battering from us, but getting it tight from the majority of their own support. Can I just say, there's nothing funnier in football than watching a manager trod across the pitch after being hammered 3-0 and give it the old clap applause to the away support to see those who were left, of which there were not that many in fairness, but basically fighting amongst themselves to see who could get on the pitch to batter them. It was a pleasant change from yes. this being our own support. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, yes. Clamouring over one another to have a have a pop at the have a pop at the gaffer. Yeah, it was uh, even because like you know we felt like the music blaring. Well, I say blaring. You like you hear the static coming from the dodgy speakers. That's what you assume is music. The yeah. fans, the fans are <laughs> chanting. You're just old, babe. You just assume it's music now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I meant. Damn kids and their the their rock music these days. Uh, yeah. The Redshed's bouncing, get all the all the singing. You know, you can't even hear what the Hearts fans are saying, but you can just see what they're saying. Uh, it was it was very Ooh, you very bad very music. satisfying indeed. It was good. It was very. Funny. I think I think I saw one or two fathers say to their sons, "Shake harder, boy." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was no, there was no twirlies going on at that point, was there? <laughs> um, to answer the question, I think the top six will look the way it does right now as far as the teams that are within it. Uh, but I'm going to go out there and I'm going to back Aberdeen to take third place and then uh, Hearts in fourth, Livingston in fifth, Hibs in sixth. Oh, Hibs will Hibs it. Of course Hibs will Hibs it. <laughs> Excellent, lovely stuff. Graham? The clues in the name, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Graham? I think we will fall just short and we will finish in fourth. But I think Gavin's right. The current top six will be the top six. I'm going to go... Uh... Aberdeen in thirds because Marty Sifuentes or Ricardo Rodriguez will just lead us on a glory trail towards the back end season, ably assisted by Barry Robson, just effing and jeffing from the right hand side. Um, just, just threatening people. Yeah. If they don't um, do what he wants them to do, yeah. you know the consequences. Sifuente just looking bewildered about the fact that that's not the message he has to be passed on. <laughs> certainly not that way, anyway. Um, Don's in third. Uh, Hearts in fourth, Hibs in fifth, and probably Livingston in sixth to disappoint the St. Marin fans who thought they'd won the World Cup after beating us at Pataudry earlier in the season. Um, but there we go. Paul, at Paul Cool asked us just to talk about Matty Pollock for an hour or so, because he'd listen. Could even get him to talk about anything. We've covered, a, again, a lot about Matty Pollock um, earlier in the show, but yeah. I'll just reaffirm my stance. I absolutely love the guy. Yeah, lovely. Um, Stephen Menmuir at S Menmuir. Salt and vinegar or salt and sauce? Oh, salt and vinegar. Uh, yeah, because I'm a member of civilization, salt and vinegar. 
yeah, salt vinegar. It's a, it's, a, it's a clean sweep here because we're not from Edinburgh. Um, what a thing that is. Facial at my name is Ian. Gav, this is one for you, but I'll ask Graham anyway. Do you think Jay versus Roman is the end point for the entire Bloodline storyline? I think my Zoom connection's about to give up. <laughs> uh, it should be. It absolutely should be, and I, I think it will. I think that is the way it will play out. I'm not exactly sure how they're going to get there from the mains, but um, I look forward to Jay getting his 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 moment because he's been the star of this entire storyline. Yeah, agreed. It has to be. That has to be the end point. It can't go any further than that, surely. Anyway, um, John Graham at GMJAFC1. Why don't you have a fan's phone in? Well, we have, and we'll do one again at some point, John. Go back to the archives. Um, I'll find it. I'll find the episode later on. Helped. <laughs> yeah. You search. Google is your friend. Uh, Doug at Doug Smart. If you could, this is this is quite a funny question because I don't really understand it, but let's try work with it. If you could bring back one shite ex Aberdeen player, but he'd be good this time, who would it be? Hmm. This to me sounds like who was really pissed, but you kind of hoped had been good. Yeah. Um. I wouldn't mind getting the real Shaden Morris, the one that we. To be fair, Graham, when Gary spoke to the Fleetwood Town fan, he kind of implied we've got the real Shaden Morris. Um, <laughs> I think he inferred rather than implied, but I had a lot of hope for Nicholas Fabiano. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we trailed him for so long. He gave yep. up PSG. It sounded like he was going to be a, like a really classy uh, midfielder, and oh, wasn't. he wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> so um, uh, if we could have had him back, um, especially at that time, because we didn't really have many in the way of um, kind of ball-playing midfielders or people who could play football, to be fair. Um, so, uh, yeah, Nick- Nicholas Fabiano. I'll, I'll, I'll... One that I thought, well, maybe wouldn't have been brilliant, but would have been much better than he was, was Nicky, uh, Nicky Maynard. Oh, yeah. Well, I was rancid, but he hadn't had a rancid career. But he was absolutely terrible here. I thought he'd be better as that he would score a goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Fabian has a good shout. Uh, Michael Bird. Michael Bird. Um, I'm Michael Bird. I'll never fly away. <laughs> now I know where my home is. I still don't know where the goal is. Um, um, I thought, you know what? I thought, oh, actually, Brian was- Prunty. I thought Miles Story would do better at Aberdeen than he did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I think I was basing that. on the fact he was like, he saved his best stuff for us. <laughs> yeah. As it turns out. Yeah. Thoran Christiansen jumps to mind. I don't know why. Um, I, I don't know why either. I mean, let's be honest. You could pick any amount of absolutely shite Aberdeen players that you wished had been good. Um, do you wish David Droch was better than Graham? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I don't want him back, though. <laughs> well, not, not now. Not having him come back disrespecting our beaches. Yeah, exactly. Dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, serious. Ricky, Ricky Gillis. Ricky Gillis. Ricky Gillis, a, a man who we apparently beat off like Man United and Liverpool and everyone else to sign from St Mirren and turned out to be absolute fucking horseshit. So... Ricky Gillis, I think, is my shout for that one. I think that's all of the general ones. Here's some about us. Um, Cam McWilliam, at Cam McWilliam. Hi, Cam. Friend of the show. He wants to know if Graham had to pick 
any wrestler to tag team with at SummerSlam. I don't know why SummerSlam, but he's picked SummerSlam. <laughs> Who would it be? And he's just, Graves just like... <sighs> can't even, can't even think. Try to think of who, which ones I used to have as toys. Hulk Hogan or the Ultimate Warrior. I think I had Rowdy Roddy Piper as well. Yeah, pick one of the three. Come on. <laughs> Just your reaction to that question was absolutely amazing. On so yeah. many different levels. Times like these, I wish we were a video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Podcast as well. Exactly. <laughs> pick one of the three, Graham. Come on. I'm going to settle on the Ultimate Warrior. Nice. Good pick. Good, Good, pick. Pick. Good pick. He would come in for the uh, the hot tag. He would totally big hot tag. Graham would take all the punishment. Yeah. Warrior for the hot tag takes all the glory. Mike Paul at Mike AFC. He thinks he remembers us saying that Graham, you only started supporting the Dons around 2000. If that's correct, who did you support beforehand? So it's not so much that I didn't support them. I didn't start going until 2000. So my parents aren't from Aberdeen. Like there is no family in Aberdeen. So I basically sort of when I was friends at school, weren't really that fussed about going to the football. So they weren't in the habit of going, so I didn't have anyone to go with. So, and yeah, parents not being bothered. It was only when, it was probably when I got, what would that have been? Was it third and, was it third and fourth year? Or was I it fifth remember. year when I was in the same class as you for some stuff? Anyway. <laughs> as if, you. Long story short. been in my life since. Yeah, there is no family connection to Aberdeen, so nobody is in Aberdeen fan so basically it was only when I was kind of old enough to essentially go on my own that I started going to the games prior to that you'd always look out for the score and I would deliver in my trusty green final you'd always hope that the Dons had won because that meant ka-ching cash money in your pocket if they'd lost people were suddenly not answering their doors because they'd want to read about it green final that was a publication by the way so when you think about it, though your time right oh, of course it was a publication the best the best paper round in the in the area as well because you had to handle the cash Yep. Lovely stuff. But of course, when you're talking about doing it, that would have been slim pickings because the Dons in the mid to late 90s were not very good. Generally, horseshit. So, you know. Yep. I mean, yeah, that's that part. Um, let's go on. Uh, George Burnett at George B 976650083. Your favorite Dons heroes, not necessarily your best players, which I think ties into something we've already talked about. Yeah. Um, there's a number. There's a number. Um, you know, Russell, Russell Anderson, of course. Uh, Shinny. Did you Johnny. just do the song, but in a monotone style? The I think I might well have done actually. Yeah, you did. Russell, um, Russell Anderson. <laughs> um, you know, the Johnny Hayes, Nell McGinn tandem, Adam Rooney. Um, all the way leading up to to Duke in in modern days. Yeah, there's, there's been a, there's been a good few. Graham, Russell Anderson, definitely. I think you'll find it's Russell, Russell Anderson. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, that sort of prime Hayes and McGinn was good to watch. I don't know if I've got... I feel like I've not been, been starved of success in my time. So there's not really... Like anyone who wins anything kind of automatically yeah. pretty much becomes... I mean, I'm not saying Alan Tate's a hero, but Anderson won something and was always solid when I've been going. There aren't really that many I can think of that... Yeah, would probably fall into like a hero category because I think that's a totally different elevation than yeah, just being a best player. For me, probably Theo Schnelders. Like Ian Jess is my all-time favorite Aberdeen player, but Theo loved him. 
love them bits. So that's quite an easy one for me, I think. Uh, at Robin's back again at Robin of Cybernat. Cullen Skink or Scotch Broth? Broth. Mm, skink. Cullen Skink, too. And then Sticky Toffee Pudding or Cranachin? Sticky Toffee Pudding. Sticky Toffee all day long. Yeah, Sticky Toffee Pudding. Although I did have quite a nice deconstructed Cranachin thing at a works do not long ago. Which was quite, which of course was, you had of course, a deconstructed Cranachin. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, of course. Which was it wasn't nice. supposed to be deconstructed, but you were wanky enough to insist... <laughs> it was presented to you. Well, I just I deconstructed it myself, and I was like, "Look at exactly. that!" Yeah, exactly. Did um, you bring it, your own little slate board to eat it off as well? <laughs> <laughs> just in my sporting. Um, there we go. Lovely stuff. Uh, Keat TC at Keat Cuts. Have any of the you guys loved a player blindly, and the rest of you hated? So it's easy for me, Lee Miller. Easy because you boys just used to just hate him. Well, no, we just did that. Because you rose to the base. Yeah, I know, but it's fine. That's where we're at. It's fine. Um, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Absolutely not. Man of the people. I don't think there's anyone I've, like, yeah, enjoyed that everyone else has been saying, no, that guy's shit. Um, no. I can't think of anyone. I don't think there's anyone that you've, you get, it, it generally turns out to me, isn't it? Like, I'll decide I like a player and you boys will right, fuck this. Like, yeah, well, yeah. Well, basically is <laughs> how this works. Well, yeah, because like, you'll turn around and say something like stupid, like, you know, I'll give Kevin Rickwich a new contract. That's and exactly we'll say, what I was going to say. Well, that's, <laughs> that's a really dumbass idea. insane idea. Uh, <laughs> thank God you're nowhere near the power of the football club. Are you be watching opposition players and say, I'm a Conte, that's a good looking player. As yeah. he shells one over the Merkman stand. Yeah, I meant like, you know, attractive. Yeah. <laughs> um, I can't think of anyone that I have been an advocate for where like literally the whole fan base is like, no, 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 you're absolutely well <laughs> off the mark here. Ian at Tailzo1988 is asking, are there any big plans in the pipeline with the podcast? Oh. Well, it sounds like it's disbanding and becoming a wrestling podcast. So <laughs> No, no, side hustle. <laughs> nice side knowing hustle. you guys. Um, side hustle. I think it's pretty cliche football response, but you know, just take each podcast as it comes and we'll see what happens. But yeah, never, never say never in this business. All we can say is we had something lined up that was going to happen this weekend, but we decided a few weeks ago that it probably didn't feel at like the right time to do it because we'd just been hosed by Darvel and by Hibs. And so it didn't quite feel at like the right time to try and do it. So we're going to do something with that. Hopefully start next season. We have a list of, Ideas securely yeah. stored in a vault. I can't give away the location, <laughs> but uh, there are a few things lined up. Jokes aside, if there's like, if there was an appetite for you know like a live version of the podcast, uh, we'd be obviously interested in in looking into that and you know continuing to grow as an entertainment vehicle. Absolutely. Um, Robin's back at Robinoff Cybernat. Which radio network tried to buy the podcast? Well, they didn't try to buy it, but they asked us to become part of their network. Um, it was. I don't want to give away any names, but they employ a number of footballers who I can describe their level of ability as mid. Yeah, if you rearrange the words sport and talk, you might get quite close to it. So there we go. Um, <laughs> mid is amazing. That's yeah, cryptic. Product. People will yeah. be spending hours. Oh, ages on that. <laughs> yeah. Shall I call them... T-Sport? No, that's too obvious. <laughs> Let's call it Talk S. That you know, have people like Dean Saunders complaining that certain words are too technical for him. Anywho, uh, can we also have a follow-up to the Greg Wilde conversation to make sure it's just because he played for the Dons which made him shite and not because he's a horrible bleep bleep? Uh, we can have a follow-up, but there's not much to talk about because he's still at Dumbarton. 
So, so it was it was play for Aberdeen that made him shit. Is that the point? I don't know. I'm not sure. So if that's the case, we could probably follow that with a number of uh, profiles. Uh, carry on. Let's keep going. Uh, Callum at Callum R Walker. Out of the three of you, rank yourselves from the best to worst on the pitch. <laughs> Well, the best, best position's covered. I guess it's down to you two to figure out who wants to be last. Depends what you're looking for in a player. I don't have much technical ability, but I'm more like a, a Ramadani or a Shinny. I've got the engine in my head, but maybe not the Ben Tempers. Uh, I think it's safe to say that there's going to be no consensus drawn from this conversation. <laughs> no, there's no danger to um, consensus on this. Let's just say that we all have our strengths and weaknesses. Yes, well, two of us have got strengths. Some of us <laughs> have more weaknesses than strengths. Some of us watch someone's balls. <laughs> right, okay. Someone, some of us watch someone's long passes go way over our heads. That's because some people start on a level. It is at times like playing in like Sam Allardyce's midfield. <laughs> but the difference was they could find Kevin Nolan. Gets results though. Not when it's out the fucking picture off the roof. Right. Anyway, let's move on. Ali Cinnamon, this is good because um, you boys will be able to, to get in this. Ali Cinnamon at Ali Cinnamon seventy six. Your top five bands and Simpsons episodes. Oh, big question there. Big question. I presume that's individually, not as a collective, because otherwise that's an entire different podcast. Um, bands. Idle World, Twilight Sad, Frightened Rabbit, Public Service Broadcasting, Mastodon. <laughs> yeah, that took a really sharp right turn at the very end. Very well done, Gav. Loved it. Graham, ba- we'll do bands. Top five. Idle World, obviously. Probably Biffy Clyro in there, because they've always been incredible anytime I've seen them. Um just to annoy you stereophonics because all of a sudden you don't like them despite having seen them just as many times as me uh, I wonder who else <laughs> this is what I enjoy about Gabe Gabe just throws you under a bus in such a slick way <laughs> with truth with panache yeah with, with facts um, I wonder who else I would put in there actually how many have you got to there that's three three, three. there's plenty that I've enjoyed over time but I don't know that, that I actually sort of go back to and listen to on a regular basis. Well, they did start listening to, I quite like Placebo, but they weren't up to much when we saw them. Uh, they weren't very good live, but it's fine. But they, they, might, just, like they might just Placebo. be a studio band. Yeah. It happens. You go one more game. I know, I know, I'm kind of struggling after that. You are struggling a bit, aren't you? I can see it. Yeah. It is late on a Sunday night, to be fair. It is late on a Sunday night. It's got to be someone else. You think so? There's a whole world of music out there, Graham. I'll <laughs> oh, just put another one into Annoy You, Cooler Shaker. Because you don't like the guy Crispin Mill. Is it because his name Crispin? Yeah, but I, I but then I like the Jeevas, the side project. You did, despite I telling think. me that you wouldn't and moping all the way to Lemon Tree, and then yeah, but they were pretty, they were they were pretty cool to be fair to them, right? Um, God, this is predictable. Idle Wild, Frightened Rabbit, Twilight Sad, Mogwai, and then the fifth one's hard because like it depends on the mood that like, you could put like Bruce or Dylan or. Beatles? You can't not have the Beatles in here. It's going to be the Beatles. And my favourite album, of course, is the best of the Beatles. <laughs> um, right. Oh, oh Simpsons, Simpsons episodes. Simpsons episodes. Top five Simpsons um, episodes. I'll leave this to you two because you two are Simpsons dorks. Well, let's 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 make like a little collaboration here. So I'm going to put the monorail episode in. 
Yeah. I like when Homer goes to college. Uh, I love the baseball episode. Agreed. That's definitely in there. I like where I like the Frank Grimes episode. Yeah, classic. And um, Stone Cars. Yeah, that's fine. That was quite good. That was easy. Well done, lads. Because I love, I love, but I'm not to the same level as you boys where I can know the episodes. They all just merge into one for me. I know that there's like a lot of the Treehouse of Horrors are all really good, but I can't think, remember what numbers they are. So, yep, same. I do quite like them, but I tend to get confused between, because I guess they're in thirds, which thirds go together yeah, rather yeah. than yeah. which three parts I like over a number. Ali also asked what was our best Aberdeen 11, but Again, that's just, that's I think it's an entirely separate yeah we'll, episode. We'll, and you know how last week Gavin claimed that the pilot was was in the recycling bin. I believe it's on the drive. It's on the drive. I found it, but I think I don't think it's fit for public consumption. I do think it needs to be. I think it's very dry. Yeah, could we, we like were... NFT? Could we NFT it? <laughs> There's still a thing. Probably not. I think we can. Uh, we'll come, come back, back on that. to that sometime. Yeah, we'll come back. Oh. And uh, people last week who watched us to fantasy book a Don's Royal Rumble, don't worry, it's happening. Graham's not going to take part in this for obvious reasons, but we've got another trio or a member of our trio to jump in to help us out with this one. You might have a wild guess who it might be. Um, we'll come back on that one in the in the weeks to come. It might have to be a mini pod, I think. Gav, what do you think? I think it's it's such a niche idea. Yeah, I feel like it has to be packaged off into a mini. Yeah, it almost feels like this should be like in its own little space in the internet, in yes. the interwebs, um, because it is incredibly, incredibly. It's basically just us amusing ourselves. <laughs> of course, but that's what we do every week. But yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. We've got some parameters in place, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna A be burner. It's, it's gonna be six stars. A main event in any town. The dandies, dandy dons, eighty three. If you were a professional darts player walking out into the alley, pally, what would your walkout song be? Well, this is unfair because Graham already has his Graham's got one already. His walk on music. Done. Yeah, I know. Which, of course, is? It was Cold as Ice, but not the original. Was it MOP? Oh. <laughs> it did the sort of, I was going to say, more recent version, probably 10, 15 years ago. So that was the version. Well, we need to put some... What was your What was your darts nickname again, Graham? Uh, Polar. Nice. <laughs> not because I'm like cool under pressure it's mainly because I'm always bitching about being too hot so I'd like to say it's because I was you know really really cool at the hockey that, that's not really how I rolled it was more I'm always complaining about being too warm lovely stuff great Gavin what would yours be? this kind of feeds into another question I saw appear on this um, so I would just entirely hijack what I believe is the best wrestling theme tune of all time which is Judas by Fozzie okay. so we're going to come to that um, oh, I don't, I don't know why we picked for this. I think you've got to have a bit of a, it's got to be a bit of a banger, hasn't it? Party hard, fuck it, why not? <laughs> yes. Right, I think it was only a couple more to go. Football related. Chris Hendry at Pint on the House. Football related question: How did Norwich end up being your second team, and how do you rate their season so far? So uh, do I need to take this one. I got, I got this. Um, so. Well, I was going to say, for the sake of disclosure, on account of being a massive glory-hunting bastard, uh, supported Man United when we were younger. Uh, Alex Ferguson connection, obviously. Nothing to do with the fact that they won everything all the time. I've also got a massive soft spot for Dunfermline, if you didn't know. But then, you know, English football became prime wanker football, as Graham Giles would so eloquently put it. And decided they did not need my support. So at that time, I looked for like a a team that had a bit more of a 
an Aberdeen feel about it and Norwich in Norfolk, you know, it's a a one county professional uh county there with one team. And, you know, there was a family connection as well. Um our mother's sister's husband is from Norwich and I That's remember, a very complicated way of saying our uncle Gavin. <laughs> I'm just getting all the information out there. I know that you like to just leave like tidbits and speculation and rumor and innuendo everywhere. <laughs> and then and then come back and say tales. well and then come back and say well that's we believe <laughs> um i i remember like stories of him telling about going to car road and all that kind of stuff and at that time norch were in league one and fucking terrible uh thought them at a good time because that's when paul lambert said about the best three years of his managerial career and yeah been to car road a couple of times been to away games and uh obviously not remotely same kind of level of endearment as Aberdeen have uh, for me, but uh, yeah, I I enjoy when they win. As for the season, mid mid is maybe actually a bit too good and pretty disappointing. Yeah, I mean, same. So I, I, this is one of these weird things. I don't think people realize a lot of time at Gav, you and I are actually brothers because um, the surname thing. And there's reasons we can go. The reasons out there. Um, I feel like I, I feel like I need to point out. I don't know why I need to point this out, but we do have the same biological mother and father. So it's not like one of these situations where our mum and dad are different people. Yeah, we're not anyway. the Dudley boys. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> right. well, was the gimmick that they had the same father, the same mother. I don't remember. It was the same father. I think it was the same father. And um, he would just go around all the different territories. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Fucking hell. I wasn't expecting that. Um, as Gav so eloquently put earlier on, our mother's sister's husband, or alternatively, uncle, um, is from the Great Yarmouth area. So I, I'm obviously a little bit older than Gav. I remember getting a few Norwich City tops when I was kind of late 80s, early 90s, when he used to come back at the road from, from Great Yarmouth and stuff. So it always had this little affiliation with that anyway. For the same reason, I think, for Dunfermline as well, actually. Not because of him, but for a family friend of ours who lived in Dunfermline, but never mind. And yeah, I'll I'll admittedly be the same as Gav on this one. I think that um, there was the glory hunting period in the mid nineties, and then you kind of realise that Man United's not really the all the be all and end all of this type of thing. And and that that general affiliation with a club who you've got some sort of familial link with, not that great, but there was a lot of um, <clears throat> a lot of similarities. Like Gav's right between Aberdeen and Norwich. I think very similar sized cities, very similar sized stadia. Um, and yeah, it just is what it is. Um, and it's something that we kind of, the three of us all share. So it's been quite good fun because we've been able to do a few trips to Car Road. We've done a few away games and stuff. And yeah, this season, meh. Uh, the, the big highlight of the season has been the fact that they dumped Alan Russell, to be honest. That was a fucking disappointing moment, wasn't it, boys, when he rocked up at Car Road? Wasn't ideal. So soon after we'd got rid of him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Todry from to rock up and break out his old I made Harry Kane the player he is shtick. Fucking arsehole. <laughs> Graham, Norwich. I just tagged along with you guys. Yeah, there we go. Excellent. You tagged go. along to a game at Carra Road uh, in the championship under Alex Neal, the best performance of the season. We won 5 1. I kind of. Uh, yeah, you guys were going. Yeah. I thought, well, why wouldn't you go? And actually, Norwich is. Um, the, the ground's quite nice and it's still sort of old, if you like, you know, a bit of a traditional ground. And yeah. Quite well supported, strong season ticket numbers, etc. So you just get a good atmosphere, and not just ourselves actually. There's a bit of a trek, but it's quite a nice place. So yeah, just thought, well, why would you not 
go and do something different. And then uh, for the sake of transparency and the reason why we all shudder every transfer window, a couple of years later, we travelled back to Carrow Road for a game with Swansea City and we reached out to one Kenny McLean on the old yep. Instagram DMs. He set up through the player liaison officer uh, a chance to meet him after the game. We had a good little chat with Kenny. Good lad, gave us a good, good bit of time after that game. And we are all the proud owners of a signed Kenny McLean shirt in each of our respective residences. Yes, I'm looking at mine right now. Which will be... Um, what we do with those will be very interesting when the day comes that he inevitably <laughs> signs for a certain team in Glasgow that play in blue. Yes, I know, I know. Anyway, right, there we go. That's those ones. We'll wrap it up in the way that we wrap up all of our interviews with people on the show because Derek Douglas at PYE1903 asked us to ask ourselves, what does Aberdeen Football Club mean to you? I'm going to go to Gavin. I wasn't ready for that kind of question. Yeah, I know. Full disclosure again for everyone, we hadn't looked at the, Well, I, I looked at it earlier on, but the boys weren't prepared for this, so... Um, the full range of emotions is what it means to me. Um, the absolute despair that <laughs> reaches my heart when I look at a team sheet and I see Matty Kennedy in it. And then it ranges all the way to, you know, anger when it's at its absolute most abject which i've been treated to more than my fair share of and then there's the fleeting moments where it's just the most incredible thing in the world um you know i think to some of the places i've been because of aberdeen um like you know munich and and madrid and the the feeling of hope when a scottish cup final and johnny hayes scores and it makes it one nil and you think maybe this is the day and for that five minutes or so it's just the most unbridled of joy that i don't think i I don't believe anything else can really bring you and it's what makes me feel for people out there that for whatever reason don't enjoy football because there's nothing quite like a player of your team putting the ball into the opposition's net as ridiculous as that sounds um yeah it's um it it means a lot a lot to me yeah the the first word that came to mind was bollock actually (laughs) <laughs> but that's maybe been tainted by by recent seasons I think it's a kind of a sort of a sense of belonging or like a it's not quite a family as such but if I think back to when we first started going and there were more of us you know, it was just, there's three of us that do this but there were more of us mm-hmm. um, that would go to Pataudry week in week out had a season things together and would go to a reasonable number of away games actually and I think even that like you know from when we first passed our tests going to away games and then when you older you can take the train and you go drinking and make a day of it wherever it's all of that sort of stuff and then it's probably the one thing that's kept the three of us together and doing this is as you get older and priorities change and families and stuff like that it's the one thing that everyone's always around for is you know three o'clock on a Saturday on a regular enough basis everyone's making an effort that we get together and we go to the to football. So as much, it's kind of as much off the pitch as well. Like I, I love, don't get it so much now that we're in the red chair, but for a few years when we were in the South Stand, I'd love that new season, the feeling of the optimism and your, you know, you turn up, get to your seat and say, like, oh, was the guy next to me? And you remember there was the old guy that would go yeah, with yeah, what yeah, I assume yeah. was his South, sons. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you'd be like, oh, you know, is he, is he going to be back for another season? Because he's not getting any younger. And then he's back and you get better 
challenge, the usual, like, fuck's sake, what we all do here about the halfway. But I loved all that. You see all the familiar faces and then, you know, going away to a game when, in most cases, it feels like you are the same as or more than the, the home fans. You know, you're just that feeling of you belong to something. And yeah, it has, you know, has moments where, a question what's the point but all, all it takes is you know there's the odd game that's great or like when we did win the league cup it's all sort of feels like it's worth it because we did win something and things haven't gone brilliantly the last few years but there's always that well it could happen and that's what kind of keeps you you going so i think probably overall it's i don't know just like the whole i wouldn't say it defines me but it being, although I haven't gone for maybe as many years as I could have done for someone of my age, Aberdeen is where I am from, and I feel like it's just kind of how you're represented is your, you know, your football club. It's part of the the city. It's, I think it's an important part of the city. It's important that it stays in the city, uh, in my opinion. So yeah, it's a huge part of my life to date, and I guess will be a huge part of my. Life going forward, however long that may be for. <laughs> yeah. Um, fuck, I wasn't expecting this question. I, I knew this question was here, but I hadn't thought about how it's it was not the same as actually having to answer it, even if someone says, oh, No, I know. Because you can't really. You can't really prepare an answer as such. No. So, like, so for me, I mean, I went to my first game at Pitology when I was four, five, something of that sort of age. Aberdeen Football Club's like, it's part of the fabric of my being. And I know that sounds really dramatic, but there's reasons for that because, you know, I touched on it earlier on, like, so I was always a football dork as a kid and I was fortunate enough to be, like, I don't really show it that these days at fives and that, but I was fortunate enough to be not bad at football when I was younger. And it meant though that I was able to kind of bridge a bit of a social gap at school and stuff, I think, between being like a proper dork and then being one of the kids who was accepted for being able to play football because I played the school team and I played like in the in a decent juvenile team and stuff like that. Um, so football was always my kind of like, my kind of bridgeway point to kind of some sort of like social inclusion for a while. And then I always remember as well, like, you know, so so Gav, you know, um, our, our parents got divorced when we were both quite young. And when that happens to you as a kind of individual, the, the age we were kind of at, for, for Gav and I in particular, that's, that's kind of hard. Um, I don't mean this to be like a kind of soft story about us or whatever, but because lots of people have to go through this, but this is just our experience. It gave me, initially, it gave me a sense of belonging. It's what Graham just touched on a minute ago. Like I felt part of something, like where maybe around me, I felt like things were not, I didn't feel like I belonged to something. Um, and I also think it helped forge like a relationship between Gav and myself in particular. Like as we were younger, I know a lot of people have always said to us that they view Gavin and I a lot as being like, we, we seem like more like friends than we seem like brothers. I think part of that's due to, in a large part, down to Aberdeen Football Club. And for that reason, like I'm really proud of that. Um, and I'm also, I'm an Aberdeen boy and I grew up in Aberdeen and I stayed in Aberdeen to go to university when I, I could have done something else. And it's... It's part of a kind of civic pride about me about the northeast of Scotland. Like I, you know, the northeast of Scotland is known for a lot of different things. Um, but we should be proud about the football club and the institution that we have as part of our community in Aberdeen. Um, I think 
I know that everybody says, or every football fan out there in the world will believe that there's something unique and something special about their football club. I genuinely believe there's something special about Aberdeen Football Club. I can't put my finger on it. I don't think it's, I don't think it's because you know we've won two European trophies, and I don't think it's because of our history in in particular in the eighties at winning things, which you know, disclaimer, the three of us all missed. You know, so it's not like it's something that we hang our hats on. You know, for the vast, vast majority of my life, Aberdeen have been absolute dog shit um, in terms of their performances on the field and in, in, in terms of trophies won. But there's something just it's in it's an ingrained part of my psyche, my fabric, my being as it is now. Um, so much so that, you know, when we got, you know, when myself and my wife got married, my for the interest of disclosure, my wife is a Ouija. Um, we got married in Glasgow. Um, but I made sure that if there was one thing I got on the day, that it was going to be that the Northern Lights would be played on the bagpipes on the way at the church in Glasgow City Centre. That was a pretty cool moment. A little bit of defiance and all that kind of stuff about, you know, where we're from. Um, I don't know. It's hard. The club's bigger than just the football. Like, Graham's right about it. Like, it's... As you all get older, you get kids, all that type of shit. You know, we've all got different lives. We've got all different priorities in life. It's, it's a thing that binds you know, the three of us now, um, and with the virtue of this nonsense that we do every Sunday night, will bind us forever in terms of whatever happens, you know, in the internet ether and all that type of shit. There will be this nonsense, will be out there forevermore. Um, and it binds, you know, so many thousands of families and friends and people around the northeast of Scotland and further afield. Um, it's a special club we're part of. What does that many football club mean to me? Outside of my family um, and outside of my friends, it's, it means everything to me. Um, it really does it's it's hard to put into words um, and that went a lot longer than I expected it to but anyone who was at my wedding will understand that that's what happens when you give me a microphone and um, there we go that's it will that do us I think we should that should do us and that was really fucking self-indulgent that will definitely do if anyone stuck with it to this point then uh, yeah. fair play and that will wrap us up for another week Jeez, that will wrap us up join us next week for episode 96 where we'll preview our trip to Perth to face St Johnston and it's a welcome return to the podcast for those two fucking reprobates. That's going to be the battle of the, the goggles. Yeah. Whatever that celebration is, because Duke does it and Stevie May does it. The 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 Gurdy. The Gurdy? What the, the fuck? Gurdy is the Gurdy or the Gritty? I, I'm I don't know. We're not clearly cool far anymore. too old to want to know what this is, but uh, yeah. Duke, I love you, but Stevie May does that celebration, so stop it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to be returned by um, the two reprobates from the Dogger Saints podcast, Danny and Sam. We'll be back, which probably means we'll be bringing into disrepute the character and morals of a particular Ranger supporting, inverted commas, glamour model. We'll see you next week. Stand free. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast was brought to you in association with Siberia Bar and Hotel on Belmont Street, Aberdeen. Head into the bar, quote the phrase ABZ Pod, that's ABZ Pod, for a £3 pint of Foster's, £4 pint of Moretti, or £5 pint of Fierce any day of the week, including match days. Siberia is open seven days a week, all year round, and the bar is located only 30 seconds walk from the nearest bus stop taking supporters to Stadium for free on match days. Come on, you Reds!